and welcome to the final episode of Avatar The Last Korra. That's right, it's I'm the Hannah. last Avatar The Last Korra The Last. Korra the last. I'm Hannah. I'm Who are David. you? <laughs> it's David. We're here. If, you've made it, if you're We're... starting on this one, you've, you're doing it wrong. Go back to episode yeah, go... one. They we, said there's a whole playlist. in a kids show. I think that was the title. Yeah, sexist in a play show, in a kid show. A play show? Whatever. A play show. Hey, guys. This is, we're professionals. <laughs> this is uh, a, a year in the making, a, a year in change. A year in change. It's a little, a couple months more than a year. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I mean, I, I'm, it's I, great. I never thought we'd get this far. <laughs> I'm so proud of us, David. We have finished a long series. And I'm really proud of the, the, the listener. <laughs> For getting this far, um, because this yeah, you had to sit through a lot, right? I mean, our entire thing is, I think, about half the length of one of the entire shows. Maybe, um, because we sort of condense down. We do about you know fifteen minutes an episode ish. We try, we we try. try, um. But you know, it's sometimes we it's run a lot on. of Avatar. It's a lot of Avatar content that you have waded through, and it's right. been a lot of opinions. Right. It's almost um, all opinions. There's no yeah. <laughs> there's no facts here. Um, yeah. No. We're a factless but, uh, podcast. <laughs> we oppose facts. Um, oh God. <laughs> but but I mean, honestly, I think. We have what we have succeeded in is providing a new way to watch these shows that has provided a new perspective. Um, yeah, and I, I hope that you know if you chose to watch the show along with us or just to consider your memories of the show simultaneously episode by episode, you get a different sense than if you go one season, one season or or the whole show and then the, the whole sequel show. Right, and and this will this will probably be a little bit of a a long one, folks. Um, and we'll probably spend we're, we're, we're feeling, nostalgic. We're feeling a lot of uh, of uh, what's the word? It's Yiddish. Um, we're verklempt <laughs> over here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, we'll we'll recap uh, episode thirteen of season four of Korra, the Last Stand, and then the final four. Um, episodes of Avatar, which are Susan's Comet Part 1, 2, 3, and 4, each titled uh, The Phoenix King, The Old Masters, Into the Inferno, and Avatar Aang. Um, so we'll, you'll get your recap as promised, but at, at the end, stick around, because um, we're going to do a little bit of series summation, talk about the characters, talk about fan reactions, um, and I, and I think summarize a little bit more, uh, our own experiences on rewatching this show. Hell yeah. Let's jump right into Korra, book four, episode 13, The Last Stand, the only episode title as generic as Endgame from season one. Yes. Oh, God. Guys, if you want us to do a Last Stand compilation, uh, <laughs> Right. I assume episode, we'll have to watch X-Men 3 as well. <laughs> just since they sort of define the last stand for our generation. Last stand. Sure. Um, never seen it, but I love <laughs> that it defined it for me. <laughs> um, all right. So this one starts, it, we, we broke things up a little bit weird and you guys right, might've noticed it's because we, because... we wanted to, we wanted it to just be the finales and because Cora yeah. is kind of serialized, they aren't as much about the finale. Uh, 
as, right. as, well, as Avatar was, where it's really yeah. a, a big four-part finale. This is just another and, episode. It might as well be. Yeah. It, it felt weird to only talk about one Korra with two avatars, so, you know, we kept episode 12 in the last episode. But episode 13 picks up literally where episode uh, 12 left off. And We're it starts with Kuvira, Kuvira in the robot, breaking free of the ice, um, and Team Avatar's gotta run around inside and disable shit. Right. One thing, this is something that I feel about a lot of, like, mecha anime and, and mecha stories, is that it really uh-huh. doesn't feel like we're inside of a thing that's moving, uh, you know, a thing with arms and legs. It just kind of feels right. like we're in a building. Yeah. It, it's tough to yeah. convey, like, an interior space that is in motion like a human body is, but I, still, I just right. feel like this one misses the mark. I want to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would I would say that a lot of the giant mech anime usually focus um, more on like there's a pilot uh, in a cockpit, and then you know the rest of it is all pure robotics. But the way that Korra does it, you know, it, it really is like you can crawl around its legs and arms and such. And right, but it just it just feels like okay, we're up. in a room. We're now we're right. in the the arm room. Um, like, you could have done something interesting with it, where, you know, as the arm moves, they have to, you know, like, well, feel, they do one feel thing, that motion. Well, which I think is kind of interesting, because you've got Suyin and, and Lin, uh, they're in the arm trying to disable the weapon, and they're like, well, yeah. now that we're inside, we can metal bend all this stuff, <laughs> which is, okay, yeah. great, I guess, I guess this is how things work now, that you can't bend things that are inside other things when literal blood bending exists. Um, yeah, no... <laughs> but whatever. The point is, now that they're inside, they can bend stuff. So they destroy the the mechanism that feeds vine pellets into the laser gun. Right. So that's basically all the ammo. Right. I thought for the laser gun. No, it is. It is. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll. I'll well, explain later. Don't worry. Um, okay. So great. They, they. So then they like get in the arm to like wreck it, and so Kuvira <laughs> takes the arm. <laughs> With the other arm and just rips it out of its socket and instead of just like yeah. dropping it, throws she it. Throws it. <laughs> it's so dramatic. It's, it's probably great. my favorite part of the episode, honestly. I would have to agree. Because then Suyin and Lin just like strap themselves in. <laughs> like and they get knocked out and they're kind of out of commission. Which of course they do. At the very least they yeah. should be knocked out. Possibly yeah. dead. But like Yeah. I understand they're main well, characters. We like them. Yeah. But just I ripping mean, off if, the arm if we're about... so dramatically and then throwing <laughs> it and then the the weapon detaches and lands in the middle of like Central Park. Yeah, it's it's very ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so while they're doing that, um this this is where I guess we get our multiple fronts. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird cuz we're of... all inside of a 20-story tall robot doing more or less the same thing, which is stopping the robot. Right. It, it's not the way, you know, we'll see um, they do multiple fronts in the Avatar finale uh, when we get to that. Right. Um, but so, you know, Korra breaks into the control room and is fighting Kuvira. Um, Mako and Bolin rush to, I guess, like the center of the robot where the like heart. the giant pulsing gross spirit 
like maybe it's a maybe it's an aesthetic callback power it's not a brain it's just vines but i know it's just weird it, it looks so weird maybe it's a, a sort of thematic callback to the avatar finale where you have the the head and the heart right cora oh. go <laughs> goes to the yeah. head and, and mako and bolin fight the heart i don't know but instead of like removing bending it's uh explodes <laughs> It's ex- explodinatins, right. the what have you. Also, here's a question. Mm-hmm. So, like, Korra was able to, like, restore everyone's bending back in season one, yeah. right? Why is she not able to, like, take away people's bending? Well, she doesn't have to. As you can see, they have specific prisons designed to hold any type of bender, even the most powerful benders in the world. And the only <laughs> way that they can escape is if they somehow get magic air bending from a spirit portal. So, they're pretty foolproof prisons. I mean, yeah. I think it's I unnecessarily cruel to take away someone's bending for even a genocidal evil crime. Really? Alright, well, we'll get there. Um, so, you know, Korra is fighting Kuvira, Mako and Bolin have to, like, pull levers on opposite side of the room at the same time to right. try to but shut it, it down. But then that doesn't but even then work. But it doesn't work. They yeah, Kuvira it's like, must have done some override thing. Yeah. What? It's some override thing and taking control. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but then Bolin is like, if you mess with the vines, they explode. And then Mako's like, I'm gonna heroic sacrifice. Get out of here. But then, and he does. He, like, overloads the vines or whatever. But then before it can explode, Bolin, like, comes back and grabs, like, a passed out Mako. Right. I and guess they it, get like, out and it's fine. his arm, the feedback from the lightning. Yeah, I like rips tell, the is he skin doing off his like arm. A, like a redirecting lightning thing? It's I don't know, yes, maybe. Whatever it's, he does. Again, truly unclear. He hits the thing with the lightning and that overloads it and it explodes. That's the other thing about, you know, this finale, is that there are so many questions about how all of this is supposed to work. That it, it distracts you from dealing with right. any of the potential emotional consequences like, of these actions. I know it feels actions. like we're being nitpicky, like we should just be able to suspend our disbelief, but I just can't do it. <laughs> it's And I'm usually <laughs> so good thing. at it. <laughs> even, even if I am suspending my disbelief, if I'm like, yeah, totally, like, sure, they shoot lightning at it and it's gonna explode. And Bolin comes back in the nick of time to save Mako. Like... What has really changed about their brotherhood that this feels particularly momentous or important, you know? Right. Or I mean, I what... really thought that Mako was going to die right then and there. <laughs> well, because they play it up with the music yeah. and what have you, but it's just kind of like... Noble sacrifice. But you also know he's not going to yeah. die, and it's it feels like a dumb noble sacrifice, uh, you know, or it's like... Oh, is this really redeeming him? How is what is this really saying about Mako? How has he changed? And like it's entirely undercut by the fact that Bolin confronts him before they he even does the sacrifice, where he's like, "Now is not the time for you to prove how awesome you are. I know you're awesome. Let's just go." <laughs> you know. I thought that was kind like, of a, a neat little brother line, you know, because he always sees know. his his brother. He always sees Mako as like the badass one. He's like the goofball. 
But, you know, maybe Bolin is kind of showing himself as the badass because he saves his brother's life. I don't know. But, it's like, he there. doesn't. That's there's. It's, like, it's almost there, but it's not. Like, that's the problem. And that's the problem with a lot of this finale mm. is that there's... It's almost there, but then it's not. Um, uh, so basically they explode. Korra and Kuvira yeah. are fighting. It's actually a pretty cool fight in this control room yeah. where she's, like... Bending, There's some great action. Bending the scroll wheels that are used as the controls and using them as, like, liquid metal smashy things. I don't know. It's yeah. hard to describe. but It's cool. Check it out if you could just find a clip online, if, even if you're not watching the show. It's a great show. fight. Um, yeah. But I, I do uh, wonder, like, why is Korra not getting her ass beat like last time? Like, last time she had the Avatar state activated and she was right. still it, getting her ass beat. It's not exactly clear what has changed about Korra either at this point. It like that she's so well, she's much more confident. She's clearly overcome her disability, which is not yes great. Right. She used um, to be bad at fighting because she was disabled, but now she's good yeah. at fighting because she is no longer disabled. Right. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right, so you know she they're fighting. It's it's very cool, um, but then the robot explodes as they're fighting, and uh, they both sort of get knocked out of the robot. And Kuvira runs uh, away from Korra into the spirit well, forest. It's, it's funny, right? Right Korra before that, Korra is like, you know, uh, <laughs> she's like, "It's over, Kuvira. Just <laughs> surrender, Anvil." And then she just gets hit in the head with a giant rock. <laughs> It's, it's like she's such a Kuvira clearly has lost at this point the entire robot is exploded yeah. all of her army yeah. is disabled from the EMP like yeah. she's got nothing but she's still just like petty like throwing rocks at her yeah which I love but then they don't really do anything with it um, I, don't, I so, think that's enough you know, what else Cora, do you have to do with it it's that's fine. Cora, Cora chases her through the spirit forest um, and finds guess what she finds in the spirit forest <laughs> David, what does she find? Tell everyone. Gun, big gun. Big laser. She finds the big gun, the big laser. It's there. And she... It works? Because it's Somehow, tangled all up in the spirit vines of the but, like, forest. I feel like just because it's touching vines shouldn't make it work. That's fair. I just... I can suspend my disbelief that much that this mystical power source can kind of charge things just by touching them as long as you apply an electric charge to them. Um, I guess. I don't know. But she turns it on and she just starts What I don't necessarily it. buy is that once she crazy. turns it on, it just starts flying around like a water hose. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just blasting <laughs> shit everywhere and it's going nuts. It's like uh, one of the and funniest she's like, I can't. I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just this like really like powerful laser gun just going, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Like like you're a tiny little man holding onto a fire hose and just like right flying getting the thrown air. around. <laughs> yeah, it's very ridiculous, and she can't turn it off. And then it's gonna zap her, but then Cora blocks it and goes into the Avatar state. I hooray! I guess she can do that. Well, again she's been able to do now. that she's for a done while. It. She did that but in like, her last fight with Kuvira. Right, but this time it wasn't a problem. I don't think it was a problem then either. It was just they had made a deal that she not go into the Avatar state or else she forfeits the match. Oh. It was weird. a weird thing. It's it's fine. It was very forgettable. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Anyway. Uh, she bends the laser. It, 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 she bends the laser, and by keeping the blast from killing them, it causes a giant explosion in the center of town, which results in the creation of a new spirit portal. Right. Um, which to the spirit I don't world. doubt that that could happen. Like, that's not my problem. But just what thematic significance does this hold at all whatsoever? Yeah. Like, right? why? Like, I, I will believe that, number one, she can bend spirit vine energy. I will believe, number two, that hitting spirit vine energy with bending energy turns it into a spirit portal. I'll buy all of that. I right. just don't know why it matters. <laughs> No, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't, is the short answer. Uh, the longer answer is that, like, it, it, it's the combination of everything that they've been sort of trying to haphazardly throw together this entire series, but you know? But spirits are like not even a major theme of this season. I know, but they sort of try to, with the spirit wilds in the beginning, like, kidnapping people and what have you. Right. Well, that's, yeah, I guess because Kuvira was a bad person, not because she's designing a super weapon, but because the super weapon is powered by spirit energy, and that's misusing the spirits. Right, and then, like, Korra asking for the spirits to help her is just her It's showing that they're looking... not so different they and they. Right, like, it's all just different spirit weapons, basically. But now the spirits are truly integrated because they have a giant spirit portal in the center of town. And mm. I I don't know. And, it's the, and the city's whatever. destroyed. So. Yeah. Um, so then basically no one can find Korra after the blast, and we're supposed to be really scared about it. But, like, I felt like it was really obvious that they were just in the spirit world, right? right? Like... Like, it's revealed that they are, yeah. but they try to build this, like, fake tension around, like, we can't find Kubera, we can't find Korra, where could they be? I think it's kind There's of... spirit portal. <laughs> I think it's kind of supposed to be somewhat symbolic. I mean, I'm giving them way too much credit here, but, like, it's like the both the heroes and all of the, like, Nazis are both, like, stopping the fighting because they've lost their, like, leaders... I guess. And so it's creating a kind of symmetry of war. It's like a ceasefire of these two beings no longer existing on the earthly plane. I don't know. I'm giving right. away too much credit, but it's something I thought <laughs> of. No, yeah. I, I, I think that's that's something. Um, so, you know, basically they're in the spirit world and Kuvira faints into Korra's arms and then right. like well, when, when they're teleporting like, into the spirit world, there's this image... Of yeah. Cora, Cora like facing facing her mirror self, and then it fades into Kuvira, um, right? And it's like we're the same, you and I. And I still don't yeah. buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it at all. And basically, they try to moralize it and explain it all here at the end, where Cora is like, um, you know, I see myself in you. But like, when has this been a theme before now? I don't know. Um, has it been? A theme before It now? hasn't. It literally has well, not been a theme. I mean, it feels like you until and I are not moment. so different is kind of a theme of every superhero save the day story. The right, but the they Okay, but like let's compare this to Aang and Zuko, you know, where the show spends so long building up 
the parallels between them. Um, you know, even just in season one, it builds the parallels between mm-hmm. them in like episodes like the storm. Um, but, and so, you know, when it ends with the two of them standing together triumphant, like that feels like something. Well, again, but, giving the know, show as much credit as possible. The main defining characteristic that we have of Kuvira is stubbornness, which I guess yes. is something you could call genocidal fervor. Um, <laughs> But stubborn right, like, is at both... least a decent way to describe her. She doesn't she doesn't budge. And that was also Cora's big problem in, in books one and two and a little bit of three. So if the idea is to show how much Cora has grown by giving her a sort of mirror opposite in Kuvira, I think that makes sense. They just have I just not... don't think it was earned. One of the major problems is that most of Cora's growing up is done on her own in the first half of this season. Right. And her overcoming her disability. So they didn't have a lot of time to set up that these two people are the same in some way because they're both very driven people who want to restore order to the nations. That's the only similarity, is that they want to restore order and they're both powerful, driven people. Right. Um, you know, and, and like, they try to like have this like moment where, you know, Cora literally says, it must've been so hard being an orphan and like relating to her. This makes me really mad. Like, it's so bad. (laughs) First of all, I mean, like there are way harder things than being an orphan. Sorry, cut that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, it's not... It's not to undercut that being an orphan isn't hard. No, that was just a joke. Cut that whole part. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's staying in. I love it. It's amazing. I I was just Um, joking. I was not saying that. But the point was, like, Kuvir's problem is not that she was an orphan. It's that she's a genocidal maniac. (laughs) Right. It's that she... She... (laughs) You know, was it's her excuse right. for being a little a shit. <laughs> right. But, you know, we don't get, like, a redemption arc for Azula where she was like, it was really hard because we, my mother didn't love me. We do, and then we we do all go, see that because it's, it's an important part to establishing backstory and motivation. But it's not an right. excuse for the exactly. things. Correct. But it's used as an excuse here. I mean, and this is even, like, worse because it's just Korra pitying her. Like, right. she doesn't want your pity for, oh, how no. hard it was to be an orphan. But then, but then instead, Kuvira's like, you have no idea how hard it was. And she's like, um, I was disabled. So oppression Olympics. Like, <laughs> I right. hate this. And, and like, you know, tries to, tries to relate it back to like, because she felt like she didn't have control over her life as a child. She wants to have like fascistic control now and plenty you know Cora is like issues plenty of people are right. you know like it has nothing but to like, do with Cora, being an orphan exactly she, but she tries to relate to it as like after i was poisoned i would have done anything to feel like i was in control but like, like Cora, you didn't conquer a nation conquer like a nation, you know set up concentration camps you didn't extort people Betray and my try to friends and allies and right try to kill them race and... cleanse people. Like She's done a lot country. of bad stuff, which is why I mean, I think it would have been fine, even though we did criticize it earlier. I think it would have been fine to establish her as a sort of Maoist archetype, 
and just really play off of the inconsistencies of Maoist doctrine and the practices of genocide that go on in uh, right. Maoist China. Because, like, Korra has these big <sighs> ideas, but then doesn't know how to actually critique them or follow them through. And right. they instead do this, like, weak sauce, like, I was sad once, too, so I get it, man. Right. Like, nonsense. It, it's also just, it's not mythic storytelling. Just introducing no. the idea that she's an orphan and randomly attributing that to her arc without us seeing anything of her backstory or whatever is not right, like, it's we not don't... mythic storytelling. No, it's it's not. Um, like, in comparison to, like, the Avatar finale, which is nothing but mythic, uh, right. you know, this is, it's, like, it's grounded in all the wrong ways, you know? I don't, there's nothing grounded about being, like, being an orphan makes you Hitler. Like, there's nothing <laughs> It's not how it works. Yeah. Oh, um... It's but awful. yeah, so then then all the spirits return, and everyone's like, yay, the spirits are returning, and I just have to, again, question, why is this a good thing? Why is this a thing that is supposed to feel thematically? But, like, is it, though? You know, balance. we never really... we, But we don't. Now it feels out of balance, David, because now there's three portals right, that's an odd to number. the spirit world. That's an odd number. That's not but very balanced. But it's a perfect triangle. You know, two, oh. two, you got to balance between the two, but a triangle, you can even it out, so no two are more powerful than the other two. Oh, yeah, that's the North myth. Pole can't that's just, like... That's what means, is triangles. Yep. It's Oof. all about triangles. Um, um, so Kuvira surrenders, even though her whole defining for just like trait is that no she reason. won't ever surrender. She just is like, right. you've acknowledged my pain as an orphan, therefore I'll accept any We're punishment done, I you guess. feel is fitting. Right, and she just tells her troops to stand down. Yeah, and they all they do, didn't have any like work. none of them are like... Uh, our leader has abandoned us, I'm the new leader, you know. Like, right, exactly, there's, there's none of that. Um, and Avatar avoids that by just, like, not really showing <laughs> the rest of the fire troops, necessarily. Right. Um, like, they, they just avoid that issue entirely. Here's an idea. Let me run this by you. How would you feel if, like, instead of Kuvira being the villain of this season, it was Su Yin just doing all the same things? I think it would have been way more interesting. I mean, I, I think it definitely would have been interesting pure, if purely for the fact that it would have been better at creating the factions that we see. Like, yeah. there's a little bit of faction building, but basically immediately everybody switches sides uh, to the good yeah. side, except for Kuvira. Um, yeah, and Batar. And Batar, but even he switches by the end, and he's like, oh, she's yeah. going crazy. She no longer loves me. Um, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it would have been way better for faction building if it was this character who we'd established and established her motivations and whatever. And also like that was her whole thing was that she opposes the monarchy. So she wants to, you know, establish her own more bohemian, uh, vision of what the country should be like. And she has like a military already. Like you wouldn't have to steal one. I don't know. I think Suyin might've been a better choice for a villain. I, I agree. Epilogue. Yep. Um, it's a wedding. Cut to wedding. It's a wedding. Varric and uh, Julie get married. And uh, that's 
that's pretty much what happens. Bolin is uh, officiating with Pabu. Uh, this is extremely well set up. The the idea that that they are a couple, and that they are people who have chemistry that we would want to get together, and not just a creepy boss and his weird, uh, like brainwashed Servant. underling who's obsessed with him. I'm going to assume that's sarcasm. Very well set up. Uh, <laughs> just the best set up that a relationship has had. I'd I don't know. I don't hate it. I, as... I don't I, I don't have it in me to hate this. Okay, it's whatever. whatever. Big wedding. I love a big wedding. You know me. It's a big wedding. I love ending um, with a wedding. Bolin... I just wish that it could have been Cora and Asami's wedding instead. Or I mean, that would have been much... Even less set up, I would say. Okay, but what if you cut to like years in the future? I don't know. Okay, yeah, this is supposed that to be like great, a week after, <laughs> after yeah, the destruction, like I a, guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's shortly after, basically. Um, but basically, you know, they they do a lot of do the thing jokes there, and there have been so many do the thing jokes. Yeah, uh, we haven't really mentioned any of them because I didn't find them They're, remarkable in any way. It's just a catchphrase it, to me. It's just, it is now just a catchphrase. Um, and then, yeah, you know, they, the instead okay, of, you may now thing? kiss the bride, oh, it's you may now no do the thing, do. Oh. but Julie, Julie dips, uh, Varric, cause feminism, dips you know, for, dips for femme, lean in, the, lean in, girls, um, yep, <laughs> marry your boss, right, mar- lean in, marry your boss, uh, <laughs> one thing that I really do like about this wedding scene, and this isn't sarcasm, is I absolutely love all of the minor villains from seasons one and two who are all in a band. Yeah. Including the wolfback guy played by Rami Malek is playing yeah. trombone. Yep, it's very weird. It's I fun, though. I absolutely adore that. It's Um, we it's get to see to Lynn... Me. We get to say Lynn not wearing a cop uniform for once. Um, right. Well, she also wore a dress in Zafu that one time. That one time, but I don't know. She also wore one now. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, you know, Cora and Mako are talking to Wu, and he decides, he's like, hey, guys, I've been thinking, you know, <laughs> like, what if we just get rid of the monarchy? I've been and, thinking like, about it, and I want to get rid of all of my power, prestige, and privilege for no reason. Just like in real life, what happens? Yeah, because that's, you know, because that's what good, decent monarchs just, like, do. Get, you know? I want to pitch that at, like, the British royal family, see what they say. <laughs> hey, I mean, Harry and Meghan are with you, man. <laughs> Don't you want to pursue your singing career? Doesn't he say, I want to pursue yeah. my singing career? Uh, yeah, he alludes to the fact that he wants to pursue a singing career now that he has uh, charmed the badger moles with his uh, beautiful voice, I guess. <sighs> Great. So, yeah. Good res- resolution of an arc. I love it. The Earth Kingdom's going to be a democracy now, and Korra's going to help. Um, but, you know, it's it's up to the monarchs to do it and not up to, like, also, a mandate Also, by the, the way, people. isn't forming, like, a liberal democracy one of the first steps in uh, China to completely falling to another revolution after, like, a few years? <laughs> I mean, I'm not here yeah. to quiz you on your, on your Chinese history, but I believe that is the case, <laughs> that there was, you know, much like in, you know, the... the um, the Weimar Republic fell to the Nazis. Yeah. It was, like, the... 
the Chinese Republic was Well, truly... I mean, it's the I- I- idea that it was kind of a puppet government to begin with, anyway. Yeah, so, like, I don't um, know, I feel like that'll probably happen, <laughs> but whatever. Yep, who knows? I'm sure the Earth Kingdom is in for more sadness. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and then Cora says the best line, yeah. or or maybe, yeah, no, it's definitely Cora who says it. She goes, I bet Aang could never have imagined a spirit portal in the middle of Republic City. Yeah, he'd and be I really love this excited line. about it for some reason. No, because um, there was no such thing as spirit portals when <laughs> Aang was around. He seems shocked <laughs> that, like, they exist, period. Like, they just didn't exist. Right. Um, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. That's like, he it. just meditated to get into the fucking spirit world occasionally, and, like, right. saw some fish, or, like, hung out with an owl in a library. Like, I don't understand this, like, Aang would have loved this, like, weirdness. Aang, Aang would just be overjoyed to see a spirit portal in Aang, the middle of his city. Aang would shit himself to see a spirit <laughs> portal in the middle of Republic City. Well, Tenzin's excited. He says is going to expand the city instead of rebuilding downtown. So I guess that yeah. means, like, everyone, you know, isn't going to be, like, returning to some facsimile of their home. They're just going to be relocated into neighborhoods. And then he says, he says the most tens in line ever, which is, I've learned that life is one big bumpy ride. (laughs) Because he's like the shittiest guru teacher in either show. He's very bad. I've said this from the beginning, and I know you like Tenzin, but I'm glad that you agree he's a bad guru. He's like he's not a useful guru, but I think he at least he had some character development in like book two. He had a fun comedy yeah. episode in book three. I don't know, man. Yeah, but he really got the short sh- sh- uh, shrift, the short end of the stick. Yeah, this time around, I can't speak. Um, all right, so then. Cora says a weird thing oh, God. Um, Say it. to Asami. Say it. She says, I had to understand what true suffering was so I could become more compassionate. And it's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is a bad... This is the Can worst message the for anybody. True suffering is having to be in a wheelchair for like a matter of like you know couple what? years. David, do you know what this is? It's basically Sansa at the end of Game of Thrones going, no, it's fine I was raped, because now I'm strong. I don't like, remember this, her this saying good. that. Oh, she does say that in, at the end of Game of Thrones, and it sucks. Um, but it's basically that. Well, in any case, <laughs> Or it's like, it's think... fine that the bad thing happened, because now I'm strong. Yeah, it's it's not just the badness of of saying, like, I had to be disabled so that I could learn to be kind. It's like the idea that I had the reason that I suffered pain right. was so that I could be kind. Like, no, the reason you suffered pain is because someone decided to inflict pain on you. Right. And like, it was not there to teach you a lesson. doesn't mean you can't take a lesson Narratively, from it. Narratively, it kind of was though. I mean, that's the problem is that <sighs> when, know, when you're a writer, you are kind of like a God. And if the character thanks God for their suffering... <laughs> That's you too also saying that. 
Well, uh, okay, can we, like, talk about, like, Full Metal Alchemist for, like, a hot second? Because that is also a show that deals with suffering in in service of, you know, character growth a little bit. But, like, none of them are going, like, yeah, the suffering is what has made me better. They go, no, I have learned to find strength and resilience and compassion within me despite that suffering. Like, you know, it, it's a it's a matter of framing. Yeah, um, I think this is bad and framing. This is horrible also, framing. Also, it's placed right up against uh, Asami saying, like, and I forgave my dad, so that's also an arc, which it's not. <laughs> it's not It's not an arc. And also, she's like, She's like, yeah, then my dad died. And Chorus just just be like, oh, yeah, sorry about that, I'm I guess. I'm so sorry that happened. How long ago was that? Six six months and I've never said sorry about it? Right. Two weeks? <laughs> it's weird. Should we talk more about it? Do we need to, like, talk about your dad a little? No, no let's go just, on vacation. Yeah. Uh, basically, Cora is kind of like... I want to go on a vacation. Where do you want to go, Asami? And, and they have their little moment, and Asami's like, let's go to the spirit world, I guess, on a whim. No particular character reason I want to do this. The, well, I don't, the writers she just didn't thought get it would to be a fun in, image. In book two finale, remember? Yeah, I know, but like... Everybody else got to go. I don't know. It's just like... You know, this is not some fulfillment of a greater arc where, you know, we know Asami was always really interested in the spiritual, but, like, could never really access it or... No, it's just a uh, vacation to a cool spot where there's dragons and stuff. It's a cool place. It's cold. They (laughs) they pack up their gear, uh, they walk into the portal holding hands... And then they turn to face each other, and then they fade out before a kiss because the producers. I mean, the whole are thing is just ten seconds, but it's been gift yeah. to hell for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, is this? I mean, w- w- with what we have now, I think we can all agree that this is in, you know, insufficient. Considering what people get got away with, quote unquote, in like the next two years. Right. Right. I mean, the amount of actual gay on TV that was was allowed into children's media, um, it it feels like if if Mike and Brian had really wanted to get this in there, they could have pushed and made it happen. You know, like right. the series was already online only at this point in its airing. <laughs> it, it had right. already been. It's not. It wasn't on the airwaves for. For your children to right, see at any moment. It wasn't like age moment. restricted or anything, like 13 and older to use the service. Right. So I think that's their justification. But like, it, but it like, doesn't that's matter. Still shitty. The, the, the point yeah. is just that like, that you can get away with so much more stuff now and it has not been that long. Um, no. They could have given us at least like a cheek kiss or, you know, maybe a more passionate a embrace, a hug, something. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a scene of them like living together and chilling as gals in right. in the far off future, and you're not sure if they're married, but they're kind of hanging out as if they're married. Right? Maybe they're roommates, but you know, it's like your it's like your your cousin who has you, you know your your eighty year old cousin who's like lives with a woman, <laughs> and it's like, are right. they partners or are they just friends? Right. Right. Could be like that, um, but yeah, no, they're going on. They vacation. could have done any of that. They just go on vacation, and that's the end. And that's that's all of Cora. 
We've talked for a long That's time about Korra. Korra. We've got a lot of Avatar to cover. I know, but I feel like there was just a lot to talk about in this last episode because we're kind of covering there Korra is. as a whole as well. It's true. It's true. Um, um, yeah. But but now switching well, over to what I think is a really fantastic finale. Sozin's yeah. Comet, part one. Phoenix King. Um, so we start off kind of low stakes. You know, we start mm-hmm. off with Aang just kind of training with Zuko. Um, and then Sokka suggests a beach party. And Katara's surfing on an ice board. Yeah, and surf party beach day building... USA. And then they make yeah. sand castles. But it's a sand appa. And a sand bossing say. And a sand blob monster. Or Suki, depending on your uh, the way you squint depending at it. Depending on your squint. Um, but, but then, then Zuko, Zuko just out of the blue just starts attacking Aang to be like, hey, you know, you, you gotta be prepared to fight. Yeah, the comet's coming in three days and he's like really mad. Um, and you then gotta everyone else for decides. Trouble and make it double. Decides to break it to Zuko that uh, Aang's not actually going to fight the Fire Lord before the comet comes. It's fine. Right. Uh, he's it's just going to wait. It's weird that that has not come up by this point, but I'll buy it. You know, because it's yeah. an uncomfortable topic of conversation. Right. Um, where basically Aang is like, I'm just not ready and I need It's a classic uh, procrastinator move. You procrastinate until the last minute uh, making a plan. And then you think, ah, whatever, I'll just miss the deadline and I'll request an extension from the professor. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's this. <laughs> um, but then Bazooka lets them know that the professor will not be granting exceptions because remember that war meeting he went to a while back? Yeah. Um, turns out that what they talked about in that war meeting was um, what to do about the rebellions in the Earth Kingdom. And Zuko accidentally gives his dad the idea that they need to destroy all of their hope. And yeah, Azula's like, brilliant like plan to do that. People. As long as they still have hope, they will continue to fight. And then Azula and, and their dad are just like, Ozai. that's a good idea, let's burn their hope to the ground. Yeah, let's let's just burn everything down during the comet. We'll just create a new world from the ashes of the old one. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> Zuko lets the gang know that that's what's going on. And, uh, so they're like, all right, change of plans. Yeah, so they're like, okay, shit, I guess we have to do a thing. Um, yeah. So they, they start a training so, montage. Of yeah, well, Zuko, first Zuko teaches Aang how to redirect lightning. Yep, um, important. And then, and then they do a little, um, a, a training montage with Melon Lord. Yes. An excellent full of beautiful comedy from Toph as the yeah. Melon Lord. They they get a melon and put it on a stick and say, that's Fire Lord Ozai. And then <laughs> Toph is throwing rocks at them that she's lighting on Flaming fire. Flaming rocks. Uh, yeah. And so she gets really into her part as their enemy. <laughs> as Melon Lord. It's great. It's great. Uh, it's, but it's then, But then uh, Aang is about to slaughter the merciless Melon Lord, but he can't. Because he can't kill melons. He can't. It's part of his can't do it. religion. <laughs> and so Sokka does it, and Momo eats its melon brain. Um, and <laughs> right. Aang is disgusted. <laughs> so th- that leads to a whole conversation and debate about whether it is ethical to kill a political leader who is doing a genocide. Right. 
And Aang is just like, I just truly don't think I can do it. And they're like, well, you maybe gotta, though. Right. And of of course, like, the first thing that comes up in any discussion of, like, is it ethical to kill Hitler? It's you say, okay, well, would it be ethical to kill Hitler as a baby before he did anything? Mm -hmm. And so that's when Katara brings out a picture which she thinks is baby Zuko being all cute and cuddly, but it's actually baby Ozai. Yeah, and so it, it humanizes Ozai even further. Um, right. Well, at all, awkward. basically, at this point, he's pretty yeah. much a monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, you know, Aang goes to bed distraught and right. uh, awakens and in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down. I love it. It's great. <laughs> um, so basically he gets like hypnotized onto leaving the gang and swimming out to this island and he and Momo go and fall asleep on it uh, and he kind of disappears. And so the yeah. next morning everyone's like, where'd Aang go? What's he doing? And, it's and like, they split well, up to look for him. Journey? Well, his body's not here. Is he right. going to fly away? Well, Appa and his staff are here. Can't be that. Um, so, you know, they decide to split up to look for him, and Toph is like, I'm going with Zuko! Everyone else had a life-changing field trip with Zuko, it's my turn, I'm doing it. Right, although, to Um, be fair, they did have a nice moment, which we neglected to mention in the Ember Island Players episode. They did. Um, it was really sweet, it was Toph talking about the time that she had tea with, uh, Uncle Iroh, Iroh, and how he kept talking about how he was hoping that Zuko hadn't lost his way. And so they kind of bonded over that. Um, yeah. Especially since Toph's parents hate her. <laughs> <laughs> right, like they both bonded over their their love for Uncle Iroh, basically. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, now while they're looking for Aang, Toph tries to force it and is just like talking about her sad childhood. And Suko's like, listen, I get it, but like, we gotta just focus on finding Aang right now. Right. I'm it's not just funny the self really awareness about the the narrative structure and how right. Yeah, it's it's self aware, but it doesn't feel like too winky. Like like I feel like every time Korra tries to be self aware, one they always do it with like Bolin, who's right, which just is that's a frustrating the character. It's not the, that the it's not that the writing is too self aware. It's just that Bolin is not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so they, they no one can find Aang. They, they all look to Zuko, which I think is funny (laughs) because Zuko's the expert at tracking the avatar. Yeah. And he's like, all right, okay, I've got an idea. And they fly off on Appa towards the earth kingdom and everyone's like, why are we going there? Um, and then meanwhile, meanwhile, King is happening. (laughs) Yeah, basically there's a, a, we we start to see the beginning of Azula's dissatisfaction with things, you know, like, we know that she's had a rough few days, uh, her friends right. have betrayed her, she failed to kill her brother again and capture the Avatar, um, you know, like, things are not going great, but she gets named Fire Lord, and she's really into it. Yeah. Um, I like that they didn't go, like, like, there's fire lords and fire ladies. Ladies, yeah, no. Just call her fire lord. The fire lord, yeah, it's fine. Um, 
But at and first she's so, like really upset that she doesn't get to go on the murder mission with her dad. Yeah. She's like, it was my like, it was... idea to burn everything to the ground. <laughs> I wanted to genocide everyone. Come on, dad. And he's like, no, you must stay here and become Fire Lord. And I will go and become Phoenix King, ruler it's of really the world. Funny. It's, I mean, it's such Mark. a self-aware, like, power mad, yeah. like, power crazy move. <laughs> I declare myself emperor of the entire world. World yeah, domination yeah, like, is mine. And I'm the king of birds. Right, like sure, Darth Vader, you're you're a Sith Lord or whatever, but I am the Emperor of the of it um, all. But but Zuko's idea was uh, to fly to the Earth Kingdom and and find June with the Shear Shoe. Um, yes. But uh, Sokka says, "Oh yeah," it's, or I can't remember who says it, but someone says, "Oh, it's June with the giant mole," and then Suki says, <laughs> "Giant mole." Her skin is flawless. Her skin is flawless. <laughs> That's it's a great such line. such a dumb joke. I love it. I love it. Like, where, like, I feel like Korra is entirely lacking in that kind of wit, and it's such a tragedy. Yeah, I don't know why that's missing, but, I mean, just, like, dad jokes are very present in the old show. Yeah. Uh, but, They're great. But and, like, really more than many, one... Just, yeah. And more than one character delivers them, you know? That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, they Toph is into June because she's a badass and does a cool bar fight. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one of the classic, I hate these these lines, the, uh, I like this one. Feisty. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, we get it, they're two feisty characters, and whatever. <laughs> Um, oh my god. Well, yeah, so that, that basically wraps up uh, Sozin's Comet Part 1. Well, now, part yeah. two, the old masters. Um, right. So Aang so wakes up. June is June is going to help, and so yeah. they're like, smell Aang's staff, Shearshu. And then the Shearshu is like, it's nowhere on Earth. Error, error. Like, <laughs> right. I don't understand this. It makes no sense, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't. But they're like, okay, well. And then Zuko gets another idea. If we can't find Aang... We gotta find Uncle Iroh. And he pulls out his old stinky flip-flop from before. And is like, hey, can you smell this and try to find my uncle? And June is like, oh, that creepy guy? Okay, I guess. Um, So they head towards Bossing Say. All she knows is that he, like, hit on her and pretended to be paralyzed. Yeah, like, weirdly just laid on top of her. Um, No, the opposite, but yeah. Ang Ang wakes up, and uh, he he's like, "Where am I? This is weird. weird. Uh, this this is some weird rock. It's like an octagon or hexagon. A pentagon or something. Hexagon. And, there's, and it's actually not made of rock because you can't bend it, and it's yeah, not metal. He's like, so he's what like, is, is it? This is so strange. Uh, but he decides decides to sit there and uh, meditate." And talk to Roku, which, like, great idea, and talk to your past lives a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but what does Roku suggest, David? Well, do you want to just run through all of his former lives that he talks to real quick? Sure, yeah. So he, okay. he sits there, and one at a time he, he calls on different past lives. He talks right. to Roku. Um, and you he's know, like, well, who... I could have stopped the Fire Lord way before any of this happened, but I had too much restraint and, and mercy. Uh, you know, you have to be decisive. And so that's yeah. his wisdom. Yeah, they each offer him some wisdom. Yeah. Um, so then he calls on Kiyoshi, 
who is basically like, listen, I would have stopped Chin the Conqueror. I'd kill him a hundred times if it meant preserving priests. I don't yeah, give a, a shit. It's a callback to that uh, Avatar Day episode. So isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, even an episode that should be totally skippable, that feels yeah. like total filler, not filler. You need it for context for what this is talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's good. I don't know. I like it. I love it. Uh, but she, she, her wisdom is basically that, um, in order for there to be peace, there must also be justice. Justice. Uh, so and then Angus, I knew I should have never asked Kyoshi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we then have. Then he talks to a, a waterbending avatar, a uh, Karuk, and he's he's the guy whose girlfriend got her face stolen by Ko. And yeah, he's we, like, we, listen, we, I was... that's a nice another little co call a Ko back. Um, oh, a Ko back! I love it, <laughs> um, but. You know, his whole thing was that uh, you must actively shape your destiny and the world. He was, he was saying, uh, be a, is, pay attention. Don't just be a goof around, Avatar. Well, right. And don't don't be passive. You know, right. you have to take take things. You have to be decisive, but you also have to be active about right. your so that's what we've So that's what we've come up with. You need to be decisive. You can't be passive. You got to find justice. And then he figures, oh, I'll talk to an airbender. They'll understand my... My, my moral opposition to killing because that's yeah. the Airbender creed, um, right? So, so he talks Yang to Chen. Yang Chen, um, and she basically is like, "Lots of Airbenders reach enlightenment. You can't do that uh, because, as the Avatar, your duty is to the world." And if that means that you have to sacrifice your own spiritual needs, then so be it. Right, um, selfless I, duty calls you to sacrifice your own spiritual needs, which I think is a great uh, line that kind of sums up a lot of what the show is about. Yeah, and but it's so hard for Aang to hear here. Like, he feels so defeated and kind of, like, looks at, at Momo, and this sort of happens um, towards the, the end of the episode, or I yeah. guess the middle of the episode. Um but, you know, he sort of looks up and is like, I think I'm going to have to actually kill the Fire Lord. Like, right. that's what everyone is telling me, is that I've got to do this. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, back with the gang, they camp out in front of yeah. Bossing Sing they, they fly all night and they June. find Iroh's camp. Yeah. Yeah. Get June out of here. Um, and they, they say, bye, June. She's like, all right, have fun storming the castle. And... Uh, <laughs> Then they're they're hanging out, and all of a sudden, the fire surrounds them, and then earth, and they're under attack. But dun, and then da, a da, bunch da. of old people in robes show up. Always a good sign. It's um, the white it's the lotus. White lotus, guys. There's payoff to the white lotus. Remember? Yeah, this episode is all payoff. Um, so it's it's, it's Boomy, <laughs> Iroh, Jong Jong, and Paku, the waterbending master from the North Pole. Yeah. Um, it's who's and, now and, uh, married. Pian Dao. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Pian Dao was the swordsman <laughs> from Sokka's sword episode. Yeah, so everyone's mastered slash old friends are here now. And they're like, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, I kicked... They're like, Boomy, how'd you get out of Omashu? And he's like, oh no, during that eclipse, I just like kicked everyone out of the city and it's fine now. Yeah, but they showed uh, don't worry tell, about but it. It's a pretty big action yeah. scene. 
It's um, a great action scene, just watching Boomy like throw buildings down the city. Yeah. And it's a great it's a great example of how having the space and the time to breathe for this four yeah. part episode is really nice. Whereas like you could generously call Korra's finale a three part episode and it feels packed to the gills. Right. Um, like and there's moments of levity that is happening. Oh, absolutely, in this finale, levity. You know? um, like there's yeah. been there's a ton of the in the first episode and even uh, in this when they're meeting the masters, it's lots of goofy jokes and we find out that Paku has married Gran Gran. So you know, there's lots of jokes about what Saka should like right. call him because they have no relationship. They've basically never spoken <laughs> to one another. <laughs> And now suddenly this guy is his adopted grandson, his step-grandson. And he's like, should we call you Gramps? Gramp-Gramp or maybe (laughs) Grampaku? Yeah, Grampaku. Uh, and what he's a like, great no, just, just stick with Baku. Um, but it's great. And it and it's like, again, we're wrapping up storylines. We're seeing closure. We're uh, concluding, um, like, we're letting dominoes fall that were knocked over back in season one, you right. know? And, and, like, and it feels good. I think, I kind of want to run through at the end and see, like, are there any episodes that are 100% skippable that where it doesn't come back in some form or even in some thematic form later. And I feel like the answer is basically no. Maybe the great divide. The great divide. (laughs) I'd have to think about it. If that comes back thematically, I guess you would have to say that it's, it isn't necessarily skippable. If you count the recap joke about it, right. Uh, (laughs) You got to watch it to hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyway, (laughs) God, um, yeah, so, so, uh, they're, they're basically like, all right, let's reintroduce, let's go find Iroh if that's who you're looking for, and, uh, Zuko is kind of nervous to go in, gets a little pep talk from Katara, um, and, you know, when he goes into the tent, Iroh's sleeping, um, but then when he wakes up, he sees Zuko, and, and Zuko just quickly starts to apologize, um, and this is, I love this moment. It's, I always find it really touching. Yeah, I don't know how really you feel good. about it. It's the prodigal um, son returning. Yeah. It's where basically so he's, he's kneeling in front of Iroh and just going, listen, I'm sure you're so mad at me. And like, you, you might not to never talk to me again, but I am so sorry for everything that I've done and for betraying you. But like, I've done the right thing now and I'm here with the avatar and I just hope that, you know, you can forgive me. Um, and he doesn't even get the words like forgive me out of his mouth. And Iroh is like turned around and was like hugging him and they're both crying. I wasn't angry at you. I was sad because I thought you lost your way. I was worried. Yeah. I just wanted you to find their way and you did it all on your own. Like I didn't even need to guide you there anymore. And like, that's what makes me the most proud. And yeah. it's beautiful. I like um, Iroh and Zuko's relationship. It's, it's good. really good. It's really healthy. And like, you know, there, there isn't a similar relationship to compare that to in Korra. Um, mm, yeah, not really. Know? I guess Tenzin and, uh, Korra, Tenzin they fight and Korra, sometimes. maybe? 
Right, but, like, it's it's not the same, you know, because Tenzin is proved wrong several times. And, right. Well, I mean, know. but that's, I don't think that's a negative to their relationship, but the... the no, but it's... The point is, it's it's just does, it just doesn't resonate as much as this truly father-son, like, bond that's built over the course of the yeah. show. Whereas Tenzin and Korra, it's kind of like a master student. Totally. But it's also kind of like peers in a war against evil the, at some points. Yeah. Anyway, um, they have this big discussion the next day where they're like, <laughs> "Who's gonna fight the Fire Lord if if uh, if if Aang's not here? Could you do it, Uncle Iroh?" And he's like, "No, that's bad because then it's just uh, infighting, basically." You know, right. brother I guess he's saying brother. that like if that were to happen, he would probably just get arrested by the Fire Nation guards. And then I don't Azula think he's saying that. No, he's what he's saying is that history would view it um, as just more like sectarian violence. Right, that's what he said. But like technically, history—you don't have any control over how history sees you. But like, like what would but, be the, I mean, what the would actually happen make... if if Ira went and killed Ozai? Is something I think about. I, I, but also I don't think you know he's saying I don't know if I could. Like he, he doesn't believe okay. that he can defeat Ozai. Um, you right. know, like he does appear yeah, to be like, quite a bit older. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so basically then, but then Zuko's, okay, but once we defeat him, you'll be the fire Lord. Right. And he's like, no, no, no. The world needs someone new. It's gotta be you, Zuko. You gotta be the fire Lord. Zuko's I mean, he's like, the oh, rightful shit. heir anyway. Yeah. But he's just like kind of shocked by it. Yeah. Cause he's like um, somebody with unquestionable honor should be on the throne. I'm not unquestionable. I'm very questionable. Yeah. No, it's unshakable honor, isn't it? Whatever. I'm shakable. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it's the sort of thing where Iroh's reasoning is, uh, like, you know, you've questioned your honor, but you found your way back to it, like, the right way, the the true way. Right. So you've, you've earned it, kind of. Your honor's been um, tested, and it's tested positive. Yes. <laughs> You've tested, You've tested positive, positive for honor honoritis. Yeah. Um, um, and then he says, when I was yeah. a boy, I had a vision that I would take Ba Sing Se, which I think is great backstory that we, we didn't need to know before. But but makes it's sense. Nice to have it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now he's, he's saying, like, I'm going to take Ba Sing Se back. Back from the Fire Nation and liberate it. Yeah. Um, and that's what my vision meant. Yeah. So this is all but, like planning. Yeah, so then they, I, just, then they... I find it interesting that the planning is so much... It's, it's The planning is fun to watch. The planning is mm-hmm. back and forth, people debating their, their points of view. But I'm in, invested. I don't yeah. understand why I am, though. Do you? Yes, because um, we... Because it's coming from, um, like, a real character place, you know? Like, the point of view does not feel like this is a character who likes... Like, like it doesn't feel like an archetypal character. It feels like a developed character. Does that make sense? Okay, so, like, whereas when I'm watching a Korra scene where they're, like, planning out how they're going to invade uh, Kovira's hideout, I'm, like, totally bored right. and zoned out. It's because it's not mythic in any way, and it's not character Right, well, it's because it's because the only person who's going to make a joke is Bolin or Varric. Um, and if it's Bolin, it's going to be a terrible joke. 
um, that, <laughs> you know, we don't really understand what Tenzin's ideology is and how it differs from Korra's that much. Right. They could take um, either than, side of basically any debate and it would be just as believable. Right. Right, exactly. Or, you know, with Lynn, we know that she's going to be a hard ass about it, but, you know, she'll go and rescue her family. Right. But she won't, like, risk herself for strangers, maybe. And, you know, it so just it's feels like, like we moving have a around sense. chess pieces for some reason in Korra, whereas here it feels like everyone's choosing their destiny and we're watching the Fellowship of the Ring decide on their plans or whatever. I don't right, know. exactly. Like, like big. we're in invested in these characters and so we care about what they're talking about whereas okay. in Korra these characters are just vehicles for plot you know right um, um so uh yeah Sokka so yeah. Toph and Suki are all gonna take out the airships uh in case Aang yep. is incapacitated and Zuko is going to fight Azula with Katara's health because he feels like he can't do it alone yeah and uh, um, Iroh's gonna take back Ba Sing Se. Yeah, with all of the White Lotus people. And uh, yep. basically, uh, we, we skipped over this a little bit, but um, Aang, this is when Aang realizes what 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 he's on. Well, this weird What is he thing. on? What is this is island? Is he on crack? <laughs> um, he, he realizes that the island's moving because he sees like a shoreline getting closer. And he's like, yeah. that's weird. And he jumps down and he sees a giant swimming thing of some kind and uh swims over to the front of it and basically discovers that uh it's the lion turtle and from the library um, and also goes, from legend crap. of Korra a lot <laughs> yeah from legend of Korra a lot it's much better here though eh, well better worse it's a big turtle that's also a lion that swims and has an island on its back it's that way smaller than the ones in Korra for some reason yeah, maybe this was a baby one. It's I don't a baby. know. That's why it's the, maybe that's why it's the only one left because it's a baby. Baby. All the others, all the others died. Um, yeah, and then it spouts a bunch of like, you know, philosophy babble uh, about darkness and light and good and lies and <laughs> truth and hatred. Yeah. Um, and it touches Aang on the forehead and the heart and is like. Do this when you see the Fire Lord. <laughs> do, do this. Do like this. Uh, so then he Aang says goodbye to the turtle, and he waits on the shoreline, and basically now from here to the finale, it's a lot of action. Yep. Like, we are into the action of it all. Although we do have a little sort of leeway at the beginning of Into the Inferno, yeah. part three, where we're, mm-hmm. we're focusing on Azula's story, which is great. Yeah, so... It's so good. So, you know, we've already seen that, you know, she's not thrilled about being left behind, that she feels like she's being treated like Zuko. Um, her hair's getting a little bit messy, guys. <laughs> it's symbolic. <laughs> um, so she basically just starts firing people around her and banishing them left and right for, right. like, tiny infractions. Yeah, she fires a woman really for leaving a cherry pit in her cherry, which she might choke on. Uh, she fires mm-hmm. the Dai Li because they took five minutes to get to her throne room when she called them. And then right. also, you know, says like, well, you turned against Long Feng, so I can't trust you. And then right. 
tragedy upon tragedy, Lo and Lee. <laughs> Her old lady attendants. I, whom I love. <laughs> um, but apparently so she didn't call them in to fire them or banish them. No, they came and they were like, we're concerned about you. Because <laughs> you what fired are you your doing? entire work staff and all of your yeah. guards. Yeah. And she's like, I'm fine. And then one of them suggests postponing her coronation because they're like, you don't seem great right now. Right. And she's like, whoever said that? Who, who, you said it? You're, you're banished. Go away. Because the joke is also that they're always finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> one of them started the, the sentence, same. but she only wants to banish whoever finished the sentence. Like that, yeah. And, and it's great because she, goes, she points to one and goes, Lo, you're banished. Lee, you can stay. And then she's like, wait, but I'm Lee. So who's banished? Mm -hmm. So levity, jokes, in the middle of a yeah. dramatic scene, which is right, really like delving into the psyche of a character who we have not explored very much up to this point. Right, like, you know, she's just been this cold, calculating, sort of huntress-type character throughout most of the show. And here we're starting yeah. to see her unravel. Right. She's kind of a Cersei Lannister type. Yeah. And so now we're seeing the end of Cersei Lannister. <laughs> yeah. Like it or lump if it. We're gonna... um, yeah. The, the, I also like that she tells Lo and Lee to do an Agni Kai, but they're not firebenders. <laughs> yeah. Which we it's, haven't learned up to this point, because they were her firebending trainers, even though they're not firebenders. That's true. It's, um, it's but they cool. seemed more like philosophical trainers. Right, they're her teachers. You, know? you don't have to be able yeah. to do to teach. It's it's a cool little nugget that I like. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> So yeah, so so we we start with Zuko sort of worrying um, about Aang on the way to f go fight Azula, um, and he's like, "I just hope that Aang can really kill my dad. We just love someone to kill that bastard, please." Right. Um, so you know the the rest of the gang, so uh, Toph, Sokka, and Suki find the airships just as they're taking off. So Toph, like, rocket launches them with some rocks on yeah, board. Toph is, Toph is um, taking control. She firmly establishes that she needs to be there because she yeah. launches them on there, busts in through a metal door with a cool little knock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but does, then like, she melts the knock. door, like, around her, like, body is it the door or is it some other metal she basically it's the door it's the door she makes a door yeah. suit of armor and then crawls around yeah. on the walls like spider-man and beats it's the crap so out of cool. everybody in the cockpit it's, <laughs> it's amazing really cool um, um and the animation is so good oh my god it's like, incredible this it really feels is. like a finale like damn yeah it's above and beyond um but then you know Saka goes great work Take the wheel. And uh, Toph gets a great little moment where she goes, yeah, let the blind girl fly the airship. Oh, no, sorry. I was talking to Suki. Right. And then they, they call you know, that. Like, they're again, like, how do we get rid of everybody else on the airship? So like, these, like... <laughs> these characters have internal dynamics within oh, yeah. each other. You right. know, like, They have jokes it, that they do with each other. It's not all the same joke every time. It's right. Fun. And it's, it's not playful. just like... A joke, you know, like Bolin doesn't have like a joke that he always does with Korra, you know, and his joke with Mako is always like Mako's strong and I'm goofy, wee, you know, right. like it's it's There's not a, lot more going on a thing. For yeah, example, for sure. 
in terms of comedy, <laughs> Sokka then goes to the radio and calls all the crew members down to the loading dock saying that it's it's a very special birthday. We've got hotcakes and sweet cream. Yeah. <laughs> Go down there for some stuff. And, of course, it actually is one guy's birthday. And he's like, I can't believe the captain remembered. And then it's they're dropped out of the loading dock. <laughs> and to die in the ocean, I guess. Um, well, maybe they'll swim I I mean, they're all wearing, like, suits of armor. It's fine. It's it's. They can take off the armor. The point being, yeah. like, Sokka does not have any such, uh, you know, issues as, as Aang about killing people. Oh, no. Not at all. Certainly not enemy um, soldiers. Yeah. Um, so then we, we also get some great scenes of the old masters um, attacking Ba Sing Se. And, and we, we also, at this point, the, the comet has hit. You know, right. Sozin's Comet. So the firebending is all turned up to 11. Um, like, it's just truly, like, these massive infernos coming right. out of I mean, Iroh like, blows hands. open uh, the Ba Sing Se wall with one shot. No earthbending yeah. necessary. I mean, that's that's hardcore. This yeah, thing that took a giant wild. drill that took, like, seven years to bore through. <laughs> just, just blown up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. And, you know, it's just tons of hype, uh, moments of these, like, masters of their craft, right. just, like, kicking butt, basically. Right. And now all the firebenders can fly, which I'm not sure how I feel about, but I guess it certainly lends to the action. Yeah. Um, it makes it pretty dynamic. It's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I have always thought the flying slash doing propelling yourself with fire yeah. is a little much for me it right. really requires me to flex that suspension muscle but right. uh you know what it's fine um so meanwhile back at azula's place in the <laughs> fire capital uh right. basically everyone's gone right so, so she's, she's trying no to tie to up her, her hair own hair for coronation yeah and she does a bad job with it, so she decides to, like, cut her bangs out of her face. Yeah. Um, but Which, then her guys, mom... I can relate as a coronavirus uh, haircut <laughs> survivor. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta take some scissors and say, hair, prepare to meet your doom. That's what I did, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's looking in the mirror, and we get a great scene where she hallucinates her mom. Yeah. Um, and they really have a good. conversation. And... Do you want to talk about it a little bit more? Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, so she, the justification initially for why Ursa is there is that I didn't want to miss my own daughter's coronation. So, like, it's almost kind of believable that she maybe could be there. Um, right. Not really, but whatever, for the sake of, <laughs> for the sake of it. Um, and so she's just going crazy, and she's like, you think I'm a monster? And she's like, no. I don't think you're a monster. I love you. I do. You just mm -hmm. you just keep using fear to control people. And she's like, well, fear, that's the only good way to control people. Uh, if you've got a better way. <laughs> I, I love it, though, because they, they do just, like, it's, this scene is amazing because it's basically all staged in the mirror. You know, like, we only either see Azula in profile where we can see her both, um both her and her reflection, or it's her looking into the mirror where we see 
the back of Azula's head, her reflection, and then Ursa um, just, like, in the mirror itself. And she turns around to, like, face the camera at one point, like, to face Ursa, and she continues to have the conversation with the, you know, supposed hallucination. Um, And then she turns around and throws her hairbrush into the mirror, and it shatters, and just, like, the one chunk of it is right where Ursa is standing, and as it falls she sort of disappears and then when we pull back we see that like there's nothing in the room and it's just i don't know it's powerful it's good it feels good and i mean i just like the idea that the one thing that she can't accept is the idea that her own mother loves her uh you know without it being based on her success or failure you know without it being totally contingent you know it's it's the idea that like, if I don't earn the love, then it's not real. Right. Um, you know, which is very much what she believes from her father. Because <laughs> right. for him, that's what it is. Uh, you know, it's not real love. It's it's just a transaction, basically. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, Azula is, is just well and truly confirmed as nutso at this point. Yeah. Um, like, she, she is not well. Um, not doing great (laughs) she's not doing great um so basically the crazy fire blasting begins as the airships make landfall and ang's like all right burn it all to the ground yeah so ang is kind of like all right momo go away lots of dead bugs and ants for sure yeah lots of dead trees Um, dead uh dead raccoons A lot of ecological destruction uh, is about to occur. Right. But so, um, uh, yeah. Basically, Aang just, like, straight up blasts the Fire Lord ship out of the sky. Like, yep. he, he hits it with a couple of rocks and then a fire blast. And then he sort of stands parallel and just, like, stares him down. Right. These things that and we couldn't even take Lord... out one of them during the, the, you know, the invasion on the Day of Black Sun. Now we're just taking right. them out. All right. Just yeah, bam. yeah. Boom, they're done. Um, and the Fire Lord just, like, glares at Aang in shock. And then he just, like, rips off all of his clothes and, like, fire blasts over towards him. Um, right, and, which, of uh, course, Sokka the... sees. Sokka's seeing all yeah. this. Yeah, um, and he's like, oh, shit, it's Aang. Aang's here. Great. He's going to take care of the Fire Lord, so we're going to take care of the rest of the airships. Right, but it's like, but what can we do? And, you know, he sees Aang do a big airbending slice, so why not airship yeah. slice? Yeah, it makes sense it's to an me. Slice. Absolutely so decides, ludicrous plan. Absolutely It's insane. a great plan. I love it. He's just like, let's just ram our airship into the other airships. Right, but like, let's just do how it. is that not a suicide mission? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, we'll play it by ear. I'm sure we'll figure something out. Yeah. No, it's, it's very ridiculous. Um... So they do that, and it works. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they, like, run up to the top because their ship is, you know, starting to disintegrate because it's just ramming into a bunch right. of other it's airships. It's basically just the the front by the end. It's all yeah. that's left. <laughs> um, and so they're, they're basically running across the top of it as it's, like, blasting into these things. Uh, and then Suki gets separated from them. She falls onto one of the ships that got hit. Yeah. And she's just like, keep going, I'll catch up. And Saka's like, right. no, you're going to die. And Toph's like, let's go. Well, yeah, uh, they don't have any other option. 
They they really don't. Um, so they continue on, and uh, um, Toph and Sokka are you know kind of in trouble. Um, yeah, like they they they're not doing great. Um, um, oh, I, there was one thing before Aang actually starts fighting Ozai, he like says, you have the power to stop this, which I can't believe he thought that had any chance of working. Based on what I mean, knows. you gotta just try, you I know, guess. but then Ozai is like, I do have power, unlimited power. Yeah. I just think he's a very evil emperor character. I mean, he is literally an evil emperor at yeah. this point. What, by the way, what um, a great setting for the final fight. Am I right? Right, just like this weird, like, rock field. Yeah, it's a big field of, like, stone pillars straight out of Dragon Ball Z. Um, it's so Dragon Ball There's also an ocean Z. right there to use for water bending and a waterfall yeah. on that side. And then, you know, just lots of open air to fly around in. But there's still yeah. obstacles. Amazing spot to do a finale. It, it's almost like they planned it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, again, back in Fire Nation City, um, Zuko shows up just in time to stop the coronation. And he's like, the only one becoming Fire Lord today is me. And Azula's <laughs> like, all right, let's do an Agni Kai. And Zuko's like, you're on! And Katara goes, Zuko, what the fuck? I thought you said that you didn't want to face her alone. That's what right. Magni Right, it's one of those is. great things, because it clearly is a bluff on, on you know, on Azula's part, like, to try and lessen, to try and decrease the number of people trying to kill her. Right. Um, but, uh, but Zuko takes it not out of, like, a sense of honor or a sense of, like, whatever, but just a sense that, like, I feel like I can do this. Right, like, she seems off. Her right. hair's kind of messy. Just look at her hair. Just look at her hair. I can do this. And and so, so basically, what we've got going on right now is we've got Toph and Sokka trying to s- stay alive on top of these crumbling airships. Yeah. We've got Zuko now about to fight Azula and then eventually fighting Azula in what is personally, in my opinion, the most beautiful fight in all of Avatar. I, I love this fight. It's very nice, very well orchestrated, mm-hmm. very well designed, just all of their combat. I mean, it's done with huge fire blasts, and yet yeah. you can see every individual punch and kick they're throwing as oh, yeah. it's being represented by fire. It's It's... It's amazing. Um, so we've got that gorgeous fight going on um, where, you know, Azula is using her blue fire and Zuko has his red fire. Um, and then we've got Aang fighting the Fire Lord. And, like, it's a pretty hype fight, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're flying around, doing airbending, earthbending, giant blasts of fire, like, all over the place. Um Aang gets a uh, lightning shot at him, and uh, this is his moment, you know? Right. He, he can redirect he's it right able back at him. to redirect it, and he, he has to make the decision is he going to shoot it at the Fire Lord or not? And in the end, he can't do it, and he, uh, he, he misses on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen somebody redirect lightning into somebody. That's true. Most of the people because who have redirected lightning. Because it's always an act of mercy. You redirect it and you shoot it off into space. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty true. Um, but so basically the Fire Lord is like, ha ha, you're a weakling who can't even make, who can't even kill me. Blah. Blah. You idiot. <laughs> Um, and so, at, at the end of the Agni Kai, um, we, we get Zuko baiting Azula, which is, I think, what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, we've never seen, like, Zuko try any advanced mental tactics on his sister, <laughs> because normally she just outclasses him in that regard in every way. But now she's so yeah. unstable, uh, because she's basically lost everyone that she ever liked Cared about. Uh, to betrayal yeah. um <laughs> he's able to just be like um so what's the problem you're not gonna shoot me with lightning afraid i'm gonna redirect it uh <laughs> and it almost works she's like, except Azula's she's a like, cheater yeah she's like oh yeah you want lightning i'll give you lightning and then she sees katara standing behind him and she's like i'm just gonna shoot lightning at this bitch instead oof oof and so uh, Zuko jumps in front of it, but he isn't able to really redirect it. He just has to kind of take the hit. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, that's... it's just he's endlessly honorable, which, yeah. you know, even going back to his very first, you know, fight that we see him in, the Agni Kai with Admiral Zhao, very honorable, even in yep. defeat. He wants to come by it the honorable, honest way. Yep. Um and um, so, yeah. but now so, Katara's yeah. like in a t- kind of a tough spot because she's got to fight Azula on her own and try and heal Zuko. So cut away from that, too too dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we're into part four. We're into um, Avatar yeah. Aang. Aang is in a tiny this little. This is rock the finale. Ball. This is it. He is. Aang He's gets in, the in a finale. little rock turtle ball to stop from being fire blasted at. And that's where yeah. we've, we've, we've left him and that's where we pick him back up. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Sokka and Toph manage to take out another ship. Um, but then they get cornered on sort of like a gangplank. Because um, yeah. Sokka's sword is just too sharp to actually slow their fall. So... Well, no, it's, it's just it's, like... It, I mean, it slows their fall for sure. But it's just not enough to stop them yeah. from falling off. They're falling off the yes. side of a blimp. I feel like, yeah. like the fact that they survived at all is crazy. But he breaks yeah. his leg and dislocates his arm, I assume, because he catches <laughs> Toph. Um, yeah. And he's literally hanging by, like, fingertips. Yeah, um, and they're cornered, and, he manages... and so he throws his boomerang, and he throws his sword, and he's like, well, those are my only two moves. <laughs> but they work, and he, oh, he yeah, says goodbye to Space Sword. Yeah. yeah, he says goodbye to Space Sword, and we say goodbye to Boomerang, um, and we get the line, I don't think Boomerang is coming back this yeah. time. I think this is the end, and it's really sad. Cause yeah, it's like, like a dramatic oh, line, and it's a comedic callback to, I think it was the episode, I think it was Avatar Day again, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> you do always come back. That's, Avatar that's Day is really paying dividends. It, isn't that crazy? Um, Avatar Day coming back twice <laughs> in the finale? Crazy. Uh, it's so good. Um, is the fortune teller skippable? Um, well, it certainly sets up a lot of shipping stuff. It does. That's true. You will marry a great bender and right. pass away. That's when, That's how we know when Katara can't die in Korra, so I guess not <laughs> skippable. 
Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the White Lotus you know, is still doing stuff. Not much. Yeah. They just kind of are finishing up, burning the flag. You know, just being like, all right, we're done yep. here. Um, and Azula yeah. is still fighting Katara, which is... Ugh. I love this fight. This is great. It's terrifying, but it's so good. Um, you know, she's taunting Katara and is basically like, Oh no, you can't heal Zuko. He must be healed by our family doctors. Ha 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 ha. He's going to die. Just like taunting her, basically. Um, but Katara hatches a great plan. Because there are these like uh, little sewers, I guess, filled with, like, water around the edges of the the encampment that they're in. And so, basically, Katara grabs some chains and lures uh, Azula into uh, attacking her over top of these grates, and then freezes the water, like, brings it up around the both of them in a right. giant and splash. And in this moment, us it. as children... We are going insane. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. As viewers in the year well, 2008 or whatever it was, <laughs> like we are just going crazy because they've yeah. just frozen the two of them together. Yeah, it's insane. Amazing. And so, but then it doesn't stop there. She slowly starts to melt the water around her own hands and body, take the chain, melt them around Azula's hands, lock her up, and then, like, chains her to the grave. Lock her up. Lock her up. (laughs) Oh, my God. And she's all chained up with no place to go. Yeah, and so Katara can rush over to Zuko and and heal him, and they get to have a, a moment where she's like... Thank you, you saved me. Or he's like, thank you for saving me. And then she goes, thank you for saving me, dude. I can't do shit with lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then Azula has a, a good cry. She has a big meltdown, and it's it. really sad and scary and uncomfortable. Yep. But it is it is what it is. Um, Meanwhile, we left uh, Toph and Toph Sokka in a pinch. And, uh, and what are they going to do? Boomerang's not coming back. But guess who is coming back? Suki's coming it's back Suki. somehow. Suki! She's on an airship that functions and crashes that into their ship, and then they're safe, I guess. Um, yeah. I, it works for me. I think it's a little improbable that she could direct it just by, like, hanging off the side of it with yeah. a rope and like, twisting the dorsal fin. Right, like, Toph like, had to, like, metal bend shit to make things turn before. Well, I mean, it's certainly more effective, but I don't yeah. know if you had to. That's but true. in any case, like, I'll believe it. Whatever. She yeah. did it. She's Suki. She can do anything. She did I it. Mean, they saved... We saw her ninja crawl yeah. up an entire prison and kidnap a, yeah. a warden. She's she's great. <laughs> she she does it. Um, and, and so it is. Um, you know, right. back to the Aang fight... Uh, Aang gets Aang goes like, to the chiropractor. Yeah, he gets fire blasted out of his uh, little Turtle earth ball. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he gets just like absolutely smashed into a rock <laughs> that happens to be like poking out just at the right place to go smack right on his little chakra hole on his back where the uh, yep. fire got him. 
and uh lightning shot through him yeah yeah. and so Uh, it awakens the avatar state and now he's in the avatar state but then we get a yeah it's not particularly thematic but like i would just rather he not go into the avatar state at all really i just honestly yes i would rather he win the fight with his own strength and ability and training and whatever i i have no need for the avatar state i don't know it does produce a really cool sequence of uh fight boy howdy it does it's like the most dragon ball z fight in this whole series yeah it's amazing though um so basically super saiyan (laughs) ang is in like a pile of rocks to begin with and the Fire Lord is, like, stalking up to him, and he, like, leans over to deliver a fire blast, and Aang's hand just, like, shoots out, grabs his goatee, and, like, yanks his face down as he, like, emerges glowing. Uh, and yeah. then he, like, and throws him. shot, and then he has this, like, one airbending hit, which we yeah. see from three different angles, <laughs> like, one after another. Like, it's a... Uh, Action uh, like movie. It's a fucking Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Uh, we've got slow-mo and fast-mo, mm-hmm. we've got regular mo, we've got all kinds of mo. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Firelord goes flying, then Aang flies after him, then he flies into the air, and he bends all four elements around himself. He's got an air bubble, yeah, a fire ring. I could ring. take this or leave this as well. I don't know. Thing. But then he, like, chases the Firelord around in this, like, elemental orb, and yeah. I don't know, But it just fun. kind of, it makes, it makes it just completely Dragon Ball Z, right? Like, he's just, he's got an energy field around him, it might as well be. Well, because like, this... What was always interesting about, about last Airbender fight scenes was that it was always about creative use of your environment. Right. Like, you could never just do an anime laser fight like you would typically do. But this right. is as close to an anime laser fight as Avatar is going to get. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but I mean, I think it still uses the environment, but it uses it less as like an interesting sort of fight choreography. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like, basis it it uses it more as just like a this is how powerful these characters are is that they're just decimating this landscape around them yeah it's also just crazy like how well integrated all like the cg environments and the painted backgrounds and the animation like it looks great it all looks like one cohesive whole which for the time and for the budget must have just been insane yeah it's 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 incredible um like like, this ending fight, like, I, I would say these entire last two episodes look about just as good as a lot of Korra does. Um, I'd, I'd say better in, in places. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, Aang basically corners, catches the Fire Lord with, like, a water tentacle, throws him down onto one of these uh, pylons, and, you know, sort of traps him with some earth bending. Is it about to do, like, a crazy four elements like final finishing move on him but at the last yeah. minute he sort of regains control over the avatar state he drops out of the avatar state and then just a bunch of water splashes him and it's kind of a fun anti-climax <laughs> yeah um the fire lord is like what the what the fuck and he's yeah. like i'm not gonna kill you i i can't do that and he's like even with all the power in the world you're still weak <laughs> And like goes to attack him, kind of one yeah, final that's, time. And that's why, and that's why I killed your family in, right. in my past life. And, they were, you weak. know, that's why genocide happens is because people like you are too peaceful. And that's like the antithesis. And the thesis comes in, and he's like, 
nah, man, I'm I'm better than you because I have mercy. Yeah, that's that's what makes me strong. Um, and yeah. so you know, and basically, this is why I like the Avatar power fight that precedes this is because right. it shows you what Aang is capable of if he's utilizing this sort of otherworldly power. But Right. I just think he could have done that without the Avatar state. But in, in, in either uh, yeah. case, even without the Avatar state, when Ozai breaks out of his rock prison and tries <laughs> to send a fire blast at Aang, he senses it coming with the Toph technique. Yep, it's great. Which is great. I mean, it's not like that was built up as, like, a really important power to learn for mm-hmm. for Aang, but it is certainly a very useful power. Well, and I think just... it's the sort of thing where, like, that's why it's important that Toph was his teacher, and, like, that's why, you know, Boomy says right. you gotta wait for someone who, like, watches and listens and... Certainly useful in this case. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, you know, I, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's just great. I'm not complaining. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's awesome. It's and, also kind of another mirror of the Zuko-Zhao fight because, again, it's like Aang wins, but he's honorable and doesn't strike the final blow and turns yeah. his back, and then this guy strikes again. And it's kind of the perfect resolution to Ozai's arc, right? Yeah. Because that was what Ozai did, too, is he was unmerciful to his son. Yeah. So it's kind of like this this singular moment encapsulates more than itself. It's it's mythic storytelling in that way. Right, exactly. It 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 applies to more than just these two characters. It applies to the arcs and themes that have been built throughout the entire show. Whereas like right. this I think is one of the failings of Korra is that because it's so focused on quote unquote tackling like a new ideology each season it neglects some of the larger themes that it could have also been trying to build. You know, like, I'm not against... Also, just because book one was kind of meant to be standalone in Korra, there's nothing set up that they can call back to. They've already used up all their setups to call back. They can do call back. (laughs) This one, one we can do call back. We can can do call back. I don't know. like, Like, it's the sort of thing where I feel like they... They could have tried to to build something off of that. And it, I agree it would have been complicated because it was intended to be a standalone. Um, but mm. I think it wouldn't have necessarily been impossible. Um, but obviously Avatar had the foresight that it would, you know, be a multiple season story. Yeah, well, I mean, foresight um, or whatever, it's the, they're willing to go back and reflect on how much Aang has grown and changed and reflect on all of the things that they set up as moral weight having in the first season. I don't know. It's it's right. Well, and I think in Korra, they do it in this like self congratulatory way. uh, Whereas in Mm. Avatar, you know, it feels earned and um, honest. Mm. (laughs) They're coming about it the honorable way as well. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, so basically, Aang recaptures the Fire Lord in some stone again, and yeah. uh, then he does the thing that the Lion Turtle did to him with one hand on the forehead, the other hand on the heart, um, and then we find out what the Lion Turtle told him, which was about energy bending. Um, you know, he talks about, before the age of the Avatar, we bent not the elements, but the energy within ourselves, which... Um, Korra just shot over all of that. Yes. Right. Like, that... 
I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily contradictory. We don't really see too and much. The lion turtles the give out bending avatar. of avi- of elements to the first. Right, but avatar. you don't know that they weren't bending the energy within themselves. I don't know what that would even mean. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. It's a it's a weird loose term, but right. But the point is, this is the moment that a lot of people call out as being a deus ex machina. And I would be the one, I would like to be the one to say definitively that yes, it is, but that that is a good thing for this story. Right. Because deus ex machina means God outside of the machine, God outside of the play Mm -hmm. or the show or whatever. And it's, it's about mythic storytelling. If the gods are in agreement that your character should be the victor then the gods interfering is not a plot hole or a ding on the cinema sin scale. Right. It's an important part of the thematics. Right. It's it's about the universe uh, validating someone, like the protagonist's worldview and the protagonist's uh, methodology, basically. Okay, so you agree with this? Because I think before you, you were a little bit more like... It's kind of a weird thing, the, I, the energy bending. I think it is weird, but I, I found that as the time has gone on, I've minded it less and less, you know? Right. Like, the more you rewatch it, the less it feels like this, like, gaping plot hole that doesn't make any sense and, like, Aang should have just killed the Fire Lord and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Um, again, even though Aang is like, I've never killed anyone, it's like, dude, you definitely killed some people, but it's fine. We right. won't talk well, about it. I, I think we've gone through it, and I think, I, I think, I think that this is correct, which is that he's never intentionally killed anybody, not even a soldier, not even in self-defense, but he has killed people while being possessed by the spirit of the ocean, and a little bit maybe in the Avatar state at other points, but like... He hasn't directly killed anybody, self-defense or no. Right. Um, and this is an important thematic thing for him. And the idea that he's discussing this with all the previous avatars, he's not going against their advice. They're saying, be just. They're saying, be d- decisive. And take he is doing all those things. And, like, he's he is doing, doing that. that. Exactly, yeah. Like, that. that is also something that I liked um, upon this rewatch, was realizing that none of them did actually say, like, you have to kill the Fire Lord. Um, they right. did just say these things that, you know, your duty is to the world, and that might require a spiritual sacrifice. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think... I think there are other spiritual sacrifices that... Aang may Absolutely. have to endure, and that murder doesn't have to be one of the ones that uh, he adds to the list. And and consider this, uh, you know, the, the 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 message of the show is that you should you know listen to your elders, that you should take their wisdom and take it to be true, but that you should not ignore the wisdom within yourself and the things that you discover for yourself in the real world. Right. You know? Right, that like, nature itself holds wisdom. Your connection to spiritual spirituality has power in and of itself. Right, without, and that you know, talking about how your parents think. <laughs> right, you know, it's it the idea individuality and and moral conviction. Yes, it's the idea that you know you can um, you can listen to what your parents are saying and and respect and take in the lessons of your elders but that you can synthesize those with your own experiences of the world um, and find your own path forward. And that 
that's the only real way to find fulfillment. You know, like Zuko right. wouldn't have been fulfilled if he just listened to Uncle Iroh and was like, yeah, okay, sure, if you say so. Because he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have actually come to terms with any of the things that he was struggling with. You know, he had right. to develop his own idea of self um, before. And not he to could put too fine a point on it, which we've obvi- obviously <laughs> talked this late. point to death. <laughs> but not to put too fine a point on it, but compare this to Korra becoming a giant laser woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, I guess, about self-reliance and self-belief but she was never doubting herself in that season and also it doesn't contrast with the villain in any way Mm -mm. and it doesn't present any kind of moral question and it doesn't teach any moral lesson to people other than be yourself and love yourself which is a good lesson but it's not enough for me right (laughs) to make a giant lady laser right and and in you know with just with kuvira like there's never a talk of like we've got to kill kuvira it's always just like well of course we'll capture her duh you know like they don't well i i guess they're not as concerned with that particular moral framework it's okay that these characters in Korra have different morals but there's just not even any moral discussion going on whatsoever it's just the bad guys are bad we have to stop them there's no moral question going on ever yeah um, it's, it's just a question of, are they actually bad? Mm, I don't know. Oh, wait, you're right. They are bad. We should stop them. Right. Um, it's, alright. But, yeah. So, you know, Aang then energy does some bending. energy bending, and this time we get a reversal of the red oni, blue oni, um, dichotomy that we saw with, uh, Azula and Zuko. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, where Aang is the blue and, uh, Ozai is the red. And they basically have, like, an energy fight. And we hear the words of the lion turtle saying, um, to bend another's energy, your own spirit must be unbendable or you will be destroyed. Yeah, Um, I mean, it's not a perfect moment. Obviously, this, the weird, like, adding of stakes in after the fact is weird. And having it put in just through narration that we haven't heard before is... Is it's weird. a little last But I minute. guess you need some kind of explanation because the visual is just so bizarre. But it's, it's beautiful, like the lasers though. shooting into the sky. Yeah. And then lasers seeping into the other person's skin. Yeah. So, like, basically Aang's blue energy is, like, shooting out on one side and it meets Ozai's in the middle. So, like, we get this great uh, sky shot where on one side it's all red and the other side it's all blue. Um, but then Ozai's, like, spirit, I guess, starts, um, overcoming Aang's, like, he is more unbendable, his will is more fierce, um, and so it looks like he's gonna subsume Aang's spirit, basically, um, which we can only assume would be bad. (laughs) Wait, did I dream it? Sorry, you could cut this if this is not true, but did Korra in the last, uh, in the finale say to Kavira, we're both fierce? Um, I can't confirm, but it seems plausible. Like, we're both fierce. We're both fierce. Fierce, fierce. fighters, maybe? Something like that? I, I I think that you just said we're both fierce. I anyway, don't know. Sorry, back to the story. <laughs> back to the story. Um, at the last minute, when it looks like Aang is about to be totally taken out, his blue eye spirit laser overcomes and bursts through and totally 
makes yeah, and you don't know retreat. that he's taking his bending away at this point. You just are seeing yeah. him getting his energy bent into him. Maybe I I think probably I thought when I first saw it that he was like somehow making him good or mm. like purifying his soul. Yeah, or something. But I think this makes way more sense than that. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, so I basically, took away your bending. Basically, everyone catches up with Aang, um, Toph, and Suki, and Sokka. Um, yeah. And, and they're like, is this guy dead? Is this just a dead <laughs> Fire like, Lord? No, I'm the Phoenix King, and I'll reign supreme. And then he, like, faints. Um, and yeah. then he gets called the Loser Lord, and Aang's like, I took away his bending. And everyone's like, what the fuck? You can do that? That's messed up. Right. Just, I want to make a, a slight point here, which is, like... They call him the loser lord and the phoenix king of getting his butt whooped. Yeah. And the king of guys who don't win. All of which are terrible jokes that aren't funny in and of themselves. I don't know. I like but they loser work lord. Because... I'm getting there. They'll okay. work because they reflect the dynamic of the characters. And it's funny and rewarding to see that. Even right. if the joke itself is not funny. Calling someone a loser lord. It's not clever. Correct. Yes. It's... But it's something Sokka would say. Which yes. is funny. Yeah. Phoenix King of Getting His Butt Whooped is something Toph would say. It's not particularly more clever than Loser Lord, even. No, no. And then King of Guys Who Don't Win is just less failing. clever than those two, but it's not much less clever. <laughs> but it's just Suki is awkward like that and yeah. would make a dumb joke like that. Right. Um, That's what, just the point yeah. to compare that comedy to, to Korra, where... It's just fart sure, jokes. Sure, there are jokes, but they're not, like character based right they're so, just fart jokes they're just fart jokes um all right so yeah they do it um and then we get the denouement we get the the, yeah. the epilogue. epilogue um we see zuko, zuko and May are okay yeah she comes in while he's getting dressed and they they kiss and she's like don't break up with me again so suck it zutara fans it's Zuko right. May five ever, I guess. Five, um, six ever even. Six ever even. Uh, um, I was wrong. I fully, I, <laughs> I, I will take my punishment because the Duke, <laughs> Pipsqueak, the Boulder, Haru's dad, and yeah. uh, Haru and the Swamp Benders are all back and we yep. see them. They don't have lines, yep. but they are back. But they are back. Um, I yeah, but, I knew uh, they were back at the very end. But also... Uh, Papa Hakoda is back. Yes, yes, he is. And there's a big hug. They do a big hug, and he's like, your mom would be so proud of you guys, and I'm so proud of you. You literally and saved the world. Sorry, I'm a useless dad. <laughs> what was I dad. doing during this, this event? <laughs> this hundred years more. Um, yeah, anyway... Uh, so yeah, basically we get to see just like everyone being free and reunited. We see the Kyoshi warriors back in full uh, uniform, and we get to find out that Tai Lee has joined them because she bonded with them in prison, um, which I like as like a fun little bit of world right. building, you know. And she, I I think that's a great way to end her yeah. her character. She's not a very complex character; she doesn't need a whole episode to resolve an arc. No. But she just needed a place to fit in, but where she didn't feel like her individuality was suppressed. Right. Kyoshi Warriors are a great place for that. It's it's also interesting, though, because, you know, they literally all paint their faces to look the same. 
Um, so in a way, she right. is... So she's no longer uncomfortable right. with sacrificing part of her individuality. But yeah. I think she still is being self-actualized. I don't think oh, she's just no, I agree. blending into the crowd like no. she did with her sisters. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Um, that she found a way to accept okay. a, a little bit of conformity, I guess. Um but still be her own right. individual. And and I love that she's teaching them chi yeah. blocking and what have you. Um, sure. It's, it's fun. Great. Love it. It's great. Zuko uh, and Aang are friends now yeah. and they hug. They get a little speech. They, they're and it's gonna... literally the Avatar and the Fire Lord, just like yeah. the flashback. It's great. Know. They're going to rebuild the world together. The parallels have united as one line now. <laughs> they have converged, yeah. I guess. Um, and... Uh, yeah, they, they, Zuko gives a little speech, Aang comes out and is like, we're gonna work real hard and do a good job. Then Zuko goes to prison to see his dad, another visiting a guy in prison scene, and he's like, where's my mm-hmm. mom? And then the writers go, you'll have to buy the comics to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's good that they don't leave everything resolved. I mean, there's absolutely no mysteries left in Korra that make yeah. me think, like, can't wait to see what their vacation is like. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were just I like, I just want to see them kiss. Can they kiss? Right, they kiss and we do. Comic? And in, we like, do. the second panel of And then comic. you're like, oh, okay, great, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I got um, my money's worth. Yeah, um. and then and then we had a final scene of everyone hanging out at Uncle Iroh's tea shop in Ba Sing yeah. Se. Uh, we sort of gla- glazed over it. Iroh burned down the, like, the Fire Nation flag on bossing the Capitol building and bossing say, and, yeah, we and they liberate it. it. Okay. Um, and, you know, Sokka's doing a bad painting of everyone who's there, and everyone gets to make a little joke about it and say, I don't look like that. Why am I firebending? Yeah. And Toph makes one last blind Ba-da-bum. joke. And then, and then, of course, the <laughs> final line for Toph. Yep. Gotta be a joke about her, eyes- her lack of eyesight. Yeah. He goes, you all I look think great. You all look perfect. And everyone laughs, and it's da, da, cute. Da. Um, um, and so then the Aang, big kiss. Yeah, Aang walks out to watch the sunset, and Katara comes out after him, and she blushes, and they hug, and then, then they get the kiss, and it's a it's a big old smoocher. Um, it's a big old smoocher. Zutara you know, fans fade can out suck on, it. Uh, on sunset. <laughs> fade and it out says on then. Katang. Yep. I think it's a great way to end it. I think that their romance and their relationship is kind of the first thing we see and the last thing we see. It's a, it works. Yeah, it's a solid. The first thing we see literally is is bickering between siblings. Right. Uh, But but I mean the first interaction between these characters, our main two characters, really. uh, Yeah. Is setting up a romance. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, and that's it. And that's it. That's Avatar. And it's so good, guys. And uh, I, I hope you, I, you've enjoyed I these. I really, you know, I think the show holds up. I think yeah. the way that we rewatched it, I think it, it helped me to understand what I like about this show. Totally. And what is lacking in Korra, which is pacing. It just is. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, pacing in its character. From, right. I mean, literally from, for, for me, it's it's even more pacing than character. Because I actually do, I did find myself on this rewatch liking the characters in Korra more than I did before. Okay. I'm not sure why. But I'm, I'm totally comfortable with you uh, 
you know, having a different take. But, right. Uh, for me, I liked Bolin more this time around. I liked Mako even a little bit more this time around, understanding that he's, like, this badass cop on the edge who just constantly gets kneecapped and, like, you know, people are constantly saying, you're not actually this big badass, you're actually a softy and kind of a loser. <laughs> That's funny to me, and I like it. Um, I liked Korra more this time around. Uh, Asami, still not really well-defined enough to yeah, like or dislike. This, this, this time around for me was really when I went, oh, God, there really just is, like, nothing to Asami. <laughs> like, it's no, just, just, it's nothing. I mean, she's got nothing going on, which is, you know, not every character has to have something going on, I guess. But when they're supposed to be, like, that main of a character, yeah, it's, it's a They've real shame. two of the main characters. Right. It's, like, insane that we don't have more development on her at all. Yep. Uh... But, so, what really sets them apart for me, more than the characters, mm-hmm. is the pacing. Yeah. And watching them simultaneously like this, to me, really cemented that Avatar is the kind of show where you can, you know, watch one episode, and then wait a little bit, and then pick up the next episode, and the recap will catch you back up, mm-hmm. you won't forget your place, and it'll be kind of standalone, but it'll also progress the story forward. Yeah. And Core is the kind of show where you're constantly forgetting what's happened, where you are, where all the characters are. Right. Because everything is so split up. Especially season two. You just can't keep two. of it all. And, and it's so continuity-based that yeah. it's just impossible to enjoy in the way that it was originally released, which was on a weekly schedule. Um, and then, you know, with, with months between seasons, some of them. So, just not... It's not meant to be consumed that way. I think it's probably better on a binge, but this version of watching Korra definitely gave me the sense of, like, the pacing just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you want to talk about um, some of the, the fan reaction to these two shows? And especially sort of the debate that's kind of been reignited, I guess, uh, since yeah, Avatar hit Netflix. Yeah. Right, because Avatar's back on Netflix. I mean, people are excited about the show again, and I'm, I'm glad that's happening right as we're ending. Yeah, it feels... <laughs> and not... I'm glad it didn't happen when we were starting. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, I swear we didn't but... plan it. We didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, if we had known, we probably would have held off on this whole series until now. Um, but uh, uh, I, I think that, you know, the reaction to Avatar was mostly from... Age-appropriate fans, you know, we were the right age to be watching this show. I don't think that many older people had the same reactions that we did. To to Avatar. Yeah, to Avatar: The Last Airbender. I mean, I I don't know because I I think that at, at least just gauging off of like my parents' reaction to it, like that was a show that they would happily sit down and watch with you know me and my sisters. Um, yeah, I it, mean, I think I think it's a show that the whole family can enjoy, but it is a kids' show first and foremost. Sure, and but I think, I think you know, right now, where, it's... where it gets a lot of its respect and a lot of its well-deserved respect mm-hmm. is from the fact that it's a kids' show that coming out in a time where kids' shows did not handle any of these subjects, right? That did handle difficult subjects: war, genocide, <laughs> bigotry. Uh, you know, what is right and wrong, killing right. and the moral justifications therein, 
human relationships, loss, mm-hmm. love, uh, spirituality, nature, yeah. the forces of evil, um, romance, <laughs> romance, choice, myth. Yeah. Uh, it, it covers just, a lot I mean, of shit. I'm repeating myself. But, yeah, yeah. But there is, I mean, there's just an insane amount of deep and meaningful and emotional storytelling going on yeah. where everything else at the time was pure fluff comedy or even if it was kind of dramatic it would be in the sort of very special Zoe episode sense right like it was like teen uh, drama instead of like teen drama actual right. grappling with like issues but kids love drama too kids are yeah. extremely dramatic yeah oh my gosh absolutely um you know, kids love, uh, like that sort of black and white, um, good and evil battles and, uh, revenge and twists and turns like kids love them because they've never seen them before. And I think, you know, Avatar was a lot of people's first, um, experience with epic storytelling. Uh, but, but I think the other reaction that I see, the other fan reaction that I see besides just a love of the dark themes that it was able to touch on and the serious and the dramatic mm-hmm. was world building. Yeah. That's the common thread that I see in like every review, every video essay is that this impacted the way that we think about world building growing up mm. and what we expect now from world building in stories. We have so much higher an expectation than our parents' generation did for world building whatever that might be yeah partly because of this show yeah like like i think avatar and and that's the reason it has won endured but i think also um that it continues to gain new fans like i've seen tons and tons of friends online who have watched it now for the first time since being on netflix um and oh yeah who sure. you know either our age or it even a little up, bit older for sure there's it, nothing it, dated about it right it, it not just holds up though but they are like oh my god how did i not watch this when it first came out you know mm-hmm. like people are are still coming to it which is exciting to see as as someone who loves um avatar um right but i think you know honestly it shows like this that i think allowed m- me to feel comfortable watching children's shows into adulthood, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of an Arrested Development sort of situation where I I still consume children's media regularly. I mean, I watch She-Ra, which is (laughs) definitely a kid's show. Um, Yeah. Definitely aimed at at girls, not at my demographic in the slightest. And yet, I feel comfortable watching that because of a show like this, because there could be hidden gems in, you know, children's media. Right, and I think... That really offers something unique that's not like anything else. And that was this, largely because it drew on themes of Eastern mythology that feel it feel authentic enough to a white kid in the suburbs, which we talked right. about in the very first episode. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it gets a little bit of leeway for, you know, being its own created universe, you know, it's, instead right. of being yeah. like it actually be set accurate, in like it, China or right. Tibet or Japan or but anything I, like that. I think you could make an argument that it's, you know, uh, exoticizing and orientalizing, but I, I, I think that there's more to it than that, that, that it is really based on something, 
mythic and beyond the scope of cultural appropriation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, I I think that could definitely be argued either way. Um, But myths that nobody has ownership of. Right, exactly. Let's let's pivot and talk about Korra and and the reaction there. Right. Um, I mean, I think initially there was a lot of disappointment in, in, in book one um, in just that it was so short. I think people were, were thinking like, well, if only they had more time, they would have developed these themes more. The themes of Korra? Right, the themes of Korra book one about equality versus racial discrimination versus, uh, you know, whatever their version of communism totalitarianism <laughs> was right um i think people were eager to see stuff like that people didn't like pro bending they didn't like the love triangles i remember that yeah um, but they they liked cora yeah as a and i character. think i think also you know a lot of the fans of the original series you know i think it first started airing in what like 2000 Um, Yeah, okay, so, you know, it started airing in February 2005, and it ended in 2008. So, like, that, at least for me, you know, that is the transition from middle school into high school. So by the time Korra was coming out, which uh, premiered in 2012, you know, I'm in college at that point. So I, the idea of an Avatar show that was going to tackle even sort of darker and heavier and more adult oriented topics uh interested me you know like i i figured they did so well with um (laughs) with a lot of these heavier topics even talking directly to like young children but if they're specifically aiming at a a slightly older demographic with cora then you know i was on board but i think the danger of that older demographic is that um you know, darker doesn't always mean deeper, <laughs> you know? Right. I, but I think it's, I think it's even, even beyond that, that it was, it was too much for the fans. And also simultaneously, it felt kind of in opposition to the fans, you know, fans really don't want um, you to take their toys away. And that includes resolving ships and adding a bunch of post information to what uh you know what a story story's ending was and undermining that ending in any way right um and and you know that's a lot of like the negative reaction is simply the idea that we have ang's kids and ang's grandchildren (laughs) and that we establish ang as like a bad father and season two well and then you know stuff the idea it 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 it's similar to the the Star Wars fandom reacting yeah. negatively to the extended universe getting basically decanonized when the new movies right. came out. Which is out. always what I want to avoid being like. I don't want to be like the people who dislike Last Jedi purely because it questions the ideas of the original. Um, right. You know that's so that's why I won't like criticize Korra for not caring about killing, but I will criticize sure. them for their internal logic, which is nonsensical. Yeah, it's all over Um, the place. And I will criticize them for their characters who are not well-defined and who aren't fun to be with uh, for the, you know, as a group. (laughs) As a group, they have no group dynamic. Um, I think individually they have some positives to them, but, you know. There's, you know, 
Korra is what it is. It's a sequel. It's beautifully animated. It's got a lot of, you know, interesting ideas that it doesn't fully develop. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I would agree. Um, I think there, there continues to be, like, a big debate, though, about, you know, is Korra worthwhile to watch? Um, and, and I think, like you said earlier, it was definitely an interesting experience to watch them both simultaneously. Um, right. And to, you know, sort of take our time and um, compare them kind of as closely as we could to, like, a beat-for-beat <laughs> comparison yeah. when Korra is uh, a lot shorter. And back in the beginning, even though we were still critical of Korra, we were both saying that Korra, in the beginning, felt like it was holding up better than we remembered because Avatar, on the other hand, starts off very slow. Right. And it really takes time to build that dynamic, and then it picks up. Whereas Korra kind of starts, you know, more or less at the at the level, you know, at the standard level for Avatar, and then just kind of dips. Plateaus um, and, and then dips. And peaks and valleys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's very inconsistent. So like whereas Avatar, it's basically like a straight line going towards amazing, mm-hmm. uh, and then exponentially speeds up in season two, uh, maybe like around Zuko alone or 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 even Blind Bandit, and then at that point it just rocket ship. Every episode is a banger up right. until the finale. Right. Whereas Korra, it's okay. Season one, this is all kind of okay, but except for a couple episodes that are just total trash. Yeah. And then. Book two is just awful. It's all over the place. Really, really all over the place and garbage. And then book three is like really high peak. And then it's right. like, it, it even gets better from there. And then it's almost going to make the landing. And then yeah. just absolute, absolutely crashes the landing for that season. Yeah. And then book Book four, I'm of two minds about. I don't I know. know whether I like it or not. I'm really conflicted because I like the fact that it is a little bit more slow-paced, at least in the beginning, right. than some of the other seasons. And I, I like its goals. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's it's trying to resolve, like, Korra's arc, and it's <laughs> trying to have her deal with complex emotional struggles dealing with her disability and then dealing with what it means to be the avatar. It just doesn't land any of those. No. And then her relationships with her friends fall totally by the wayside. Right. And then we just deal with a giant robot at the end. Like, (laughs) right. But which is another, you know, I mean like, but should I count season four as being as good as season three, which I do really enjoy and recommend. Right. um, Even though the finale is terrible. Right. Right. Just terrible. But do I feel the same about book four? Which also has a terrible ending. <laughs> but at least there's more going on uh, yeah, I, I feel like than in book one or two. I feel like in season three and four, um, there's a lot to like in season three. There's there's also some duds in it, too. Um, oh, for sure. You know, like, I particularly, or personally, could just, like, totally leave out the entire airbending uh like goof off yeah that whole episode is just like nothing um it's filler i but i like filler i like that it felt comfortable doing filler in a show that's so jam-packed all the rest of the time 
I guess, like, I but it wasn't even why... like interesting filler. It was just no, it was like <laughs> it was like side character was filler. Not. Like it's filler it in an anime. Filler. Well, because like, that's that's the benefit of Avatar is that you know when we would get filler episodes, quote unquote, of Avatar, it was still with the main cast. You know, so we're still at least getting. It was a fun, wacky misadventure that Sokka's been missing, like you said. Right, exactly, exactly. Or, you know, we get to see the villains do something fun this time, which, like, hey, (laughs) sure, let's, like, add a little bit of dimension there. Why not? Um, You know, whereas in Korra, it's, let's take all these side characters who are all semi-annoying and make them be very annoying at each other for an entire episode. It's not right. fun. What what is it about the show that is so annoying? Which I agree, but like what is it? It's I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to put my finger on. It's, it's, it's so very elusive. hard to, 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 to describe it in an academic way. The, the the idea of being annoyed. Yeah. That a joke can be not just unfunny, but annoying. Yeah. That you hear like a buzzing in your ear whenever Bo Lin talks or or, or even whenever um uh, uh, was it Milo, Janora, and what was the third one? Iki. Oh, Iki, yeah. Whenever Iki talks, like, just this buzzing, like... <laughs> a high-pitched like a whale. Yeah. Um, um, annoying is, like, a way to describe a lot of characters in Korra, which is not what you want no. in your show. Whereas I don't find any characters in Avatar The Last Airbender annoying. I find some of them unfunny, unlikable, uninteresting... Yeah. In the case of Jet, but... um... (laughs) Taking the Jet thing to the grave. (laughs) Um, But uh, not annoying. Yeah. I don't know. It's... it's, uh, It just feels like... Like, Korra is so complicated because there are, like, individual bits of it that are so interesting or juicy... Or, like, have so much potential. And, and like, yeah. that's that's also, I think, the frustrating quality of Korra. Is that it feels like yeah. it has all of this potential. That it should work. And yet, somehow, it doesn't. And and it's, like... I think that's... The yeah. added disappointment. I think that's the best summary that I've ever heard of it. Yeah, and it, it's the added disappointment of knowing a thing should work or should be capable of working, but then watching it not, you know? Because it's one thing right. if you go into something that you're like, eh, I'll give this a try, but I have no expectations around it. But, like, right. coming off of Avatar, we have a lot of expectations around Korra. Like, we, we expect I'll, I'll a certain too. level. Is it possible that there's a difference between the effect of watching political allegory and watching myth? I think that's being a huge part of it, um, and I think that's why Being I think... that a show is political. I mean, I, I'm starting to sound like a red pillar or something. Oh my god! But um, <laughs> but like, you can feel when a show is is proselytizing a particular political ideology at you. Oh, not totally. That Avatar: The Last Airbender is apolitical. It's certainly not. No, but it's mythic. In that but it's mythic, politics. which is more fun to watch yeah. than somebody just saying really loudly at you, communism is bad. Right. Like, it's... Maoism is real bad, and you should be a Democrat <laughs> with a democracy. Right. Liberalism forever. Um, Liberalism forever. Even though Raiko is is the bad kind of president, it, he's also a president. And so we gotta respect good. him, because gotta respect the president always, forever. Yep. Hail to the chief. Um, 
Yeah, like, I I think, you know, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, other mythic stories that, you know, are kind of inherently political, but that people are able to sort of ignore the politics of, you know? Um, um, I've always thought that, you know, Bong Joon-ho was, was good at that, that the stories are political, uh, but uh, but they're so true to something in human nature that, you know, you can kind of read against them. Right. Mm. Um, in the same way, like, you know, you can sort of read an ideology into Star Wars where, you know, it's right. just the idea that it's like, yeah, I, w- I would honestly say Star Wars is probably a good example and, like, why the right. mythic nature of storytelling is so compelling is because you don't know, I mean, like, you, you know that the Fire Nation is bad, um, and we're given explicit reasons yeah. for why. And, like, we know the Empire is bad because it wants to blow up stars. But, like, we don't right. really know anything about the rebels, you know? And... But I think it's I think it's actually way easier to read right-wing ideology into Star Wars than yeah. it is into Avatar. I, I don't I would know why agree. that is. Maybe it's just because all the characters are people of color. Um, um, I mean, I think it's because we are shown more explicitly uh, what the rebels are fighting uh, for and what they stand for and what their values right. the are. The philosophy is, yeah. is dug into in a way that maybe you can't in film. Or that, you just, you know? w- it just wasn't in Star Wars, you know? Right. It just wasn't in Star Wars. It wasn't their goal. Yeah. But this is, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, it's not that, it's not that Avatar is just Star Wars for a new generation right. of kids. It's a really unique world. The world building is off the charts. It is. The, the um the myth the mythical storytelling is fantastic the characters have a dynamic definitely on par with Star Wars you know the original trilogy oh yeah probably better if I'm being honest mm-hmm. um I, I honestly I don't know if I can think of a dynamic better the Harry Potter well the Harry Potter group not for me I think Ron is pointless I mean uh, you only watched the movies though right did you I read, read the, the books bo- oh, did you read the books okay. <laughs> I, just, I mean, Ron is definitely more useful in the books, but I just don't think he adds anything like mythic and important to the dynamic. You know, it's not. I don't know. It's seem... the Golden Trio, the id, yeah, ego, and super. The Golden ego. Trio. Everyone's supposed to be like serving a a a clear like spiritual role in, yeah. in Avatar. It's. I mean, it's definitely a Golden Trio. I mean, it's you know. Carefree, wise, peaceful, spiritual guy, emotional, justice-seeking, you know, empathic person, and then logical, pragmatic, sarcastic. You know, this is like a perfect dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm and not Toph, disagreeing. Yeah. And, and then Toph, Toph, who is the muscle. The muscle, yeah. Um, <laughs> the badass. And you get Suki. As Sokka says in the finale... Air, water, earth, fire, sword, and fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we got Zuko I, uh, as, as the Black Ranger, as the sixth ranger, sort of. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that you can beat that dynamic. Yes, absolutely, Zuko is a a fifth uh, a fifth ranger. Sixth. Suki comes in first. He's the sixth ranger. Suki does come in first? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. What? No, Suki's in jail. Right, but she's been a part of the team before. Well, okay. It, like, Whatever. We're Zuko. splitting hairs. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the uh, the point is, this is a show that clearly had a big impact on us. That's yeah. why we've spoken for, I think, two and a half hours about this. Yep, it's been about two and a half hours now. Um, Maybe a little and less. And for, if you add together all of the episodes that we've ever talked about it, something it's like days. 27 to 30 hours? Something like that. 40 Some, hours, maybe, maybe, about the whole a thing? a day and a half of just talking about Avatar at this point. And that's just the recorded it's, bits. This is not counting just the recorded all of the other times and moments in our lives that we have talked endlessly about this show. Or the hours right. as children spent dedicated watching it. Right. If you think that we've come to something resembling a conclusion, <laughs> tell me what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I liked uh, what you said earlier. I like... That the part of the brilliance of Avatar is its pacing, the way it tackles the topics that it does, and the character dynamics that it uses to explore those topics. And I think that, you know, Korra has some of those elements, but they're they're just not mixed together quite properly. And so, you know, the souffle didn't quite rise as it should have. Right. Um, yeah. And so you can't pick out the flour because you're like, well, I like flour and I like <laughs> sugar. You can't pick those things out of the souffle now. Right. You just kind of have to watch it, you know, crap and all. Yeah. And so this is my recommendation that you watch Cora <laughs> now that you've it's a shitty souffle. your Avatar rewatch. It's a dumb souffle that maybe if, if you're having trouble getting through it, try, um, you know. Skipping it. <laughs> try skipping to season three maybe or yeah. skipping to season four or whatever. or try try watching it the way we did uh in in companion to avatar maybe we'll uh find a place to release our um our watch breakdown uh yeah. and and you can give it a, a look-see as well give it a looky looky loo um, all right all right, you can tweet at us at Talking Tropes. Let us know if you want us to continue uh, doing sort of recaps in a strange fashion. Uh, yeah. We had a couple of ideas that we've been pitching around, maybe doing Buffy and Angel in the same manner. Uh, let us know if you have a better idea, because I'd yeah. still love to hear it. Um, <laughs> you know, we could do it with some Star Trek episodes, you know, like right? with, with different like generations um, of Star Trek. Um, you know, anything that's that's got a, a library of, of shows and maybe some spinoffs uh, that you would love us to sort of go through uh, side by side and, and, and look yeah. at what, or what's Or in a there. different way, maybe not side by side. Maybe yeah. we'll watch a show backwards or oh, inside God. out <laughs> uh we'll skip around yeah we'll, we'll do us, something unique tell us tell us what you want uh it could be i'm i'm open to anything david i'm open to okay. uh anime sci-fi drama comedy sitcom what whatever if, if you've got a show that you're dying to have people talk about let please let us know we we want to die talking about it right. for you Unless it's watch every episode of Law and Order. Yeah, no, I we won't do, do that. that. Yep, no, that okay. Drawing the line at procedurals won't do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll we'll see you guys later, and uh, hope you have a flamio day. Avatar Saint. Yep, yep. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>